Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Welcome to the Throwdown Thursday New Year's Eve live podcast spectacular. I don't have my. I got. I got pillow. Eh? I will blow people's ears out. That would suck. Yeah, don't do Happy that. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes, it's New Year somewhere. It's 2021 somewhere. Oh, that's a that's a true statement. It is. It is uh, over the international dateline over the woods and. To grandma's house we go thank you for uh checking out what's going on oh we already have our first comment happy new year from here and unfortunately i don't know who that is but uh you can open the chat up on your phone and oh my out. goodness i gotta do all the hard work yeah yeah all the heavy lifting yeah you just look at your phone while i produce the show and get all this the is graphics it. it's from tony oh tony happy new year tony happy new year i'm glad Taunt. All right. Well, I'm glad that uh, that you're uh, ringing in the new year. Yeah, he said it's Tony right there. Glad you're ringing in the new year. Glad you're joining us this evening. And then we have more. Hi, my favorite podcasters. Happy New Year's, my loves. I mean, that could be anybody. I could. Hold on. Let's see here. Okay. Let, oh, it's Jess. Jess. And Parasite Jess. Steve and Dr. Matteo is in the hizzy. Yep, Parasite Steve, Doctor. And then we've got another one, Happy New Thing. That is also Parasite that Steve. That is also Parasite Steve. From the Retro of a Yes, and uh, we're Our actually... Pals. We're going to be hearing from uh, Steve and Dr. Matteo a little later on tonight. That's a true story. We have, uh, we have some feedback from guests. We're going to be sharing with you uh, several lists that we have this year for... Uh, it's a it's a good year for making lists. Yes. Because I mean, yes. really, what else? What else are you going to do? <laughs> just, just all this time on our hands. You, you may drink be, and uh, make lists. Uh, we were we were talking earlier. We did not plan these outfits. We uh, just happened to look like Disney villains. Uh, but my this whole is what thing, happens. Twenty twenty has turned me into a Disney villain. I wow. am. Sophisticated. Wait, can you see? I I don't. Know. You do. It's quit flashing people. Ugh. I did not grow a mustache. I should have. Uh, so you can twirl it? Well, no. The shark on the shirt that's sophisticated with the hat and the monocle also uh, also has a mustache. But uh, for those of you who remember us on uh, from uh, Rock and Shock, Jesus Christ, a year 90 ago. 90 million years ago. Uh, I had a similar, similar uh, outfit. I don't know who uh, who was that last one that said weird that it's not showing up our it's names. Jess. Jess again. Jess, thank you so much that uh, for for hopping on and, and uh, joining us, as well as Tony and Parasite Steve and Doctor Matteo. We're very excited to have you guys here. Evil Corny is also watching. Evil Corny in the house. Hi, Evil Corny. Evil Corny. It's a misgiving not evil name. horny. It's a misgiving name. He's not actually corn. He's, he's not made of corn. It's 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 a hundred percent accurate. Uh, you, be, you have to be careful because he will huck pumpkin bombs at you. 
That's his thing. He's a pumpkin chunkin guy. Yeah. Have you ever seen that on when they use like a trebuchet to launch the weird part of ESPN on the weekend? Sometimes when they Four don't in have the morning. anything else to show, they show all of these like they call it pumpkin chunkin, and like it's so it's so weird, but it's so cool. Like these ginormous pumpkins that they just catapult and see like how far it they can use go. catapults and trebuchets. Like it's it's kind of weird, but like it's it's kind of fun. I want. Would anybody it. like to know what Does it anybody is? Anybody want a pumpkin chunkin with me? What it is that uh, we have in our glasses this evening? Uh, I will give you a hint. Let's see if anyone can guess. Uh, normally, this would be stored in a pretty cabinet. That's normally where this would be. You don't get that reference. Oh my god! If you don't get that reference, I don't know if anybody else will. She keeps her Moe and Shonda oh, in a pretty yes. cabinet. Let them eat yes. cake, she said, just like Marie Antoinette. Yes, that is right. We are, for the first time, would you like to uh, show off the, uh, the, so, the bottle, Vanna? I mentioned to my boss, because we like to talk about boozes and other libations, um, that I had never had actual champagne. So everyone knows I'm a wino. Everyone knows that I, you know, I, like, to, I like to drink stuffs. But yeah, I told him I, you know, obviously have partaken of the Proseccos and the sparkling wines and stuff, but I've never had actual legit champagne. Now, fun fact, champagne can only be called champagne if it's made in the Champagne region of France. And that is because of a clause in the Treaty of Versailles. It's just the French being the French. So I've never actually had champagne. So this is, he bought me my first bottle of champagne. And we saved it for today, and we just popped it open. And it's expensive, and I like it. Because, of course, I do. Which is a dangerous combination <laughs> if, you're, if you have something that's expensive and that you like it. Oh, Happy New Year, Jenny Rose. She is our friend that we met last year at um, Scaracon. She's a at delightful human. Beginning of last summer, yeah. Yes, June. Feels like so long ago at this point. Like, you know, typically a year does feel like a long time ago, like away. Between three hundred sixty-five, three hundred sixty-six days. Yeah, yeah, uh, give or take. But like this year, just feels like so much more, like so much longer. Yes, yes, and I think part of it is because we didn't have anything to break up the monotony. We had just over and over and over just awful stuff happened and we lost out on all our diversions that we would normally have mm -hmm. you know so we didn't have conventions we couldn't go to concerts or movie theaters i mean people did but they're dumb um but yeah it i think and i think that's what really made it longer because there were no diversions there were no parties there were no birthday celebrations um, All work and no play makes ashes something, something, something. something. Go crazy. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> that was not rehearsed. That was uh, improv right there. That's a bit of free acting for you. Um, <laughs> Thank what, you. Calculon? Sure. So we have, like I said, uh, several lists, and we have some other folks who have also contributed their lists to us as well. We're going to be talking about uh, our top 10 characters, or top five, but we have honorable mentions. And this is going to be a little different from last year where, you know, my top 10 movies had 63 entries on it. <laughs> um, 
I still have a quite bit. a few, but there were a lot of movies that didn't get released because there was no theater uh, theater availability. This is true, but I do have to say this. Kudos to people for adapting. I think if this year taught us anything, it's the fact that we are able to just kind of roll with it and evolve and adapt and you know do things in a in a way that's not comfortable for us and Some do people. things in a way that you know it, it, it kind of think outside the box and you know the the ingenuity that we've we've seen throughout this past year you know people filming movies Uh-oh. what we have we have a guest we have a guest we have a guest jumping in and it's our good buddy eight second delay you know him as Skipper Bob from the Cretans Guild and the, na- na- well, not the narrator, but the introductor of the Cretans Guild Christmas special. It is our good buddy. And it's the eight second delay, Bob. Hi. Bob, I love your beard. Yeah, I decided to, uh, this is the, uh, the honorable, uh, just got fired. So let's, let's dye some hair. Well, we're we're happy to have you here. Uh, we're happy to uh, see your Star Wars Cheers. clone trooper helmet there. Clinky. What do you got tonight, there, Bob? Uh, this is uh, this is Orange Blossom Pilsner. It's a honey ale from here in Orlando. I just oh, that really good. days ago, and it's really good. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I would not put those combination of flavors together myself. Uh, yeah, I kind of dig it. It's pretty good. All right. Well, that's all that matters. So how are you uh, this fine New Year's Eve at the uh, end of the longest year in human history? Holy crap. You are not kidding. This is uh, this felt like the year that would not end. We've been going on oh, since well, how long ago was March? Like 20 years ago, feels like. Give or take. Yeah. yeah. Eh, just been a bottle. We'll get there eventually. Uh, yeah, this has uh, been... Probably the worst year in human history. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That, that, and it's it's up there. Uh, yeah, it's, it may not be the worst year, but like it's definitely top five. I would definitely say it's the... Uh, I mean, it's definitely the worst year for all of us who are currently yes. living. Yes, yeah. we did not live through the Great Depression. We did not live through stuff like that. And the best part about like all these all these things that are happening is that so many of the choices in our lives are being dictated by people born in the 1940s. Prior to World War II, so that's a fun thing that happened. Oh, we got a new. Uh, oh, it's Marcus, Marcus, filmmaker Marcus Slavin, Slavine. I never Marcus. know which. Slavine. Uh, I have to take this off because it's digging into my eyeball. <laughs> uh, I was imagining you wouldn't be able to see very well. Uh, no, I can see. It's fine. Like it's you know, it's literally rose tinted glass. Um, Trying to be optimistic about the new year here. We're trying, but uh, yeah, no, uh, it's tight and it like suctions into my eyeball. I am also realizing monocles are tight. Yeah, monocles are tight. Uh, I'm also realizing that uh, I shouldn't have shaved off my entire beard because I. uh, You can see your face. All my chins are there, and it's just oh, it's the worst. Like I need a longer beard, like what uh, what you've got there, uh, Bob. Well, this is this is I didn't I grew this overnight, so <laughs> you woke up. I know right I there. was I was uh, well. There is a full moon that explains it. 
Yeah. Remember when we had a full moon on Halloween? That was a couple nights ago. Yeah, we did whatever. It's, it's work with me here. Okay. It, it, it's the result of Jupiter and Saturn like coalescing yes. with each other. Yes. Uranus is in retrograde. <laughs> <laughs> Which is normally. So, did you get a chance to uh, put together a list of your top five characters from this year? I had uh, some trouble uh, finding five characters, but uh, it's not that I didn't come up with. Uh, I I don't want to cheat and just like mention all the new characters we were introduced in season two of The Mandalorian. I mean, uh, that's fair. I, I managed not to do that myself. But still, there's some great characters in that show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and some of them, I will say, if you had watched Clone Wars, uh, you did not get introduced to some of them uh, this Spoken season of The Mandalorian. But I hadn't gotten up to that part in Clone Wars. There is someone from Clone Wars, because I got up to season two, episode 19, before restarting it with Ash to fill the void of The Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, Guys, we have to wait a year. Yeah, like a whole year. But thankfully, there's episodes. seven seasons, and there's like thirty episodes a season. So, oh, right, yeah. but there's there's not only Clone Wars, but there's also the Rebels, Rebels as well. Yeah. So, which is a great series. I loved Rebels. And That's we, what I've heard. We just watched the Clone Wars movie to kind of ease in. Mm. Yeah, that's um, where you want to start. It's get into Clone Wars. It's basically the Ahsoka Tano series. It, it yeah. revolves mostly around her, even though it's supposed to be all Star Wars all the time. Yeah, you get some really cool characters that you get to, uh, and you get to see a little bit more of the power that some of the Jedi actually have. Not as much as the uh, Tartarovsky uh, Clone Wars animated series. Right. Like, that duel, I, I showed Ashes this the mm. other day because she hadn't seen it, but the duel between uh, Ventress and Anakin yeah. after she wiped out all the clones and he just goes nuts mm -hmm. hammering at her with her own lightsaber. She may be one of my favorite characters from that series. So I, I love this backstory behind her. I really hope we get more of her in the future. Both. Oh, I would love like, a Ventress series. Yeah. Like, what happened to her? Like, where, where, what, where, what happened afterwards? I want to know. Do you think we might see her in a future season of The Mandalorian? Well, one of the spinoffs. I mean, yeah, that's true. We're getting multiple spinoffs. We're getting like six hundred and twelve yeah. different shows next year. <laughs> so, I mean, we should be, we should be good. Um, yeah, like she's one of those characters. It's like, oh man, I wish I knew what happened because there's a lot of stuff that wasn't canon before and is canon now. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things, and again, if you've seen uh, uh, not uh, Rebels, is Grand Admiral Thrawn, who I was yes. like, man, they need to, I wish this guy, like, I was hoping that the prequel, the sequel trilogy that came out, you know, with the Force Awakens and all that, I was hoping beyond hope that it was going to be the Thrawn trilogy and we were going to see Anakin solo and watch Chewbacca get crushed by a fucking planet. And, oh, that's how he dies. Like, that's the only thing that could kill him. Like, this dude got bitten by a zombie at one point and just went into a rage and burned the virus out and refused to turn into a zombie. 
Wow. That's how awesome Chewbacca well, is. That, that's all Legends material. It's not canon any longer. I don't care. Yeah, I know. I don't care. <laughs> I wanted to see the Yuzhan Vong invasion. Ooh. Oh, that would have been nice. Although oh. we did get um, one Legends character popped up in Mandalorian. The guy who played the Marshal on Tatooine. Um, yep. Timothy Car- Olyphant. Yeah. Mm. Which is cool. Now, there had been some rumors. I think it was in one of the like, Aftermath. I think it was one of the Aftermath novels that came out that um, <clears throat> someone had found Boba Fett's armor. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, oh, it looks like Mandalorian armor that's all scarred up, like it had been scorched with acid, and it was just kind of like a passing reference because they were also looking. It was when the Knights of Ren were trying to find Vader's lightsaber, and yeah. like it was just like a passing mention, and it was just like, like I don't know if folks have seen uh, Cobb Vanth who said that. Cobb Vanth, Parasite yes, thank Steve. you, Parasite Steve, thank you. Um, yeah, the. Shit, what did I just say? I lost my train of thought. Finding um, Vader's uh, saber by the Knights of Ren. There was something I was going to say after that. I don't remember what. That's all right. Yeah, I it's it's gone. It'll come back in like three hours. I'll just be like, oh, Jawas. Um, <laughs> and it won't won't have anything to do. What does Greg say? <laughs> Dumfrey Humblegrain. <laughs> that sounds like a Star Wars name. It really does. It's downstairs. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, there's a Boss Rush mode, uh, also of the Cephala podcast, Retro Redoctopus. Uh, he's a good dude. I like him. Um, I like everybody that's watching. Well, that's a good thing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Speaking of people watching, it just got a little moist in here. What the hell? Looks like we're about to dip into... Leo Pond. Oh my god. Uh oh. <laughs> I thought that was a goobs reference for a moment. Oh my god. Uh, oh Leo, how, how are you? Word. I'm great. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing all right. We got our, our good buddy Skipper Bob here. Hey Skipper Bob, nice to meet you. Hey Leo. Uh Leo is the uh the patriarch and patron saint of the Dorkening Podcast Network. It's also a like probably aside from Ashes, the uh, the biggest uh, baby Yoda fan that's that's going. So I mean, he might be. He's bigger... got like six of them just over his right shoulder. <laughs> there, there, there's more than six, and I added a new one for. <laughs> okay, so I have to I have to get your opinion on this, Leo. Okay. The name Grogu. Yes. Are you for it or against it? I'm for it. Why? Uh, it, it, it's it's. I mean, it's two syllables like Yoda, Grogu. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems to fit. I mean, we've been calling. I didn't like it at first, but it grow grew on me. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I just uh, okay. It, it doesn't sound to me. It doesn't sound stupid. It, it's uh, we've been calling Baby Yoda for the longest time. It's it's good to move on to something else. And John Favreau says it's okay to continue calling him Baby Yoda. Leo, oh. the overlord with an iron fist. Hey, there's Angel. Hi, Angel. <laughs> he will always be baby. Angel from that strange show. Angel, yeah. who, along with uh, Leo and our uh, good friend Melissa and uh, Yo-Yo, interviewed Stan Bush last night. That's so awesome. 
that was a trip that it was, uh, you know, to talk to somebody that had such an impact on like a lot of our childhoods, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you think of Transformers, the movie, that song, you know, you got to touch it, it wouldn't be anything without it. And then I didn't realize he did the Kumite song for Bloodsport also. Yep. Yep. And I oh, have, cool. a, I have a Bloodsport poster somewhere in this room where I used to. Oh no, it's underneath. It's, underneath it's somewhere. So, ah, nice. I love blood sport. I was a yeah. Big it fan. turns out that there are uh, there are some great things that uh, that Stan Bush has done, and I was so glad that uh, he chose to spend time with us. I, I feel bad that I uh, I was under the weather and was unable to join you, but uh, I do appreciate you uh, passing on some of my questions to him. So thank you. Oh, and he's up for doing more shows on a network. So you know. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So, and we got to take advantage of that. Totally. Yeah. Oh, uh, look at this. We got another thing, Grogu. I'm just happy it's not another Y name. Because see, I was all or another Y name. I wanted him to be named Yiddle so bad. All right. Yiddle. That's what I said because be like, he was Yiddle little baby. and Yoda, he's Yiddle. Yiddle. That sounds really Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is, it's, it's just off of Yiddish. Yeah. Because um, the only other one. He makes uh, lakas with his booby on the weekend. Uh, uh, boss, boss Rush Mode, I'm guessing, said Yerogurg. Because that is his name backwards. Um, I think there was a, a tie of, of reactions. When I saw the child the first time in that first episode, I lost my shit because there had only been two canonical of Yoda species. Yoda, obviously. That's why it's called Yoda species. And Yaddle from uh, Phantom Menace, who we never really saw after Clone Wars. Like, we don't know what happened to her. There were a couple uh, so of comics that really involving her. Okay. Yes. Yeah, she died for... She, she died during the Clone Wars. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, she died... Yeah, it was in a in a book, not a comic, right? Might, I think no. It was yeah, I think so. I, I think well, there might have been a comic made of the novel, like graphic novelization. Yeah, um, there there was a comic explaining uh, her training that she was isolated and meditated on her own for like two hundred years because obviously her species lives for a long time, and she was down in this like cave being held prisoner and just trained herself in the ways of the force. And after two hundred years. She finally emerged and like, you know what? You've been training all by yourself. You're you're a master now. You're down in Yaddle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know original is uh, the next. Uh, again, I can't see who said that, but I'm guessing it's going back and forth between uh, Boss Rush Mode and Parasite Steve. Would That would be my guess. Because I can't see the actual, uh, actual comments. Which is weird, but that's okay. Um, I'm glad everybody's joining and, and talking. Because uh, Leo, you had uh, you had your list together, right? You put your list together. Of your, your I top did, list? yeah. All right, so we were getting ready to talk about Bob's. So I am. Uh, I'm interested to know, Bob. Who did you put on your list? Uh, you know, a lot of characters from. Um, 
Star Trek Discovery, actually. Ooh. Very nice. Because I, I am a Trekkie uh, before I'm a Star Wars fan. Um, and yeah, did that, that show didn't, the year is blended for me. So did that start in 2000 or did that start last year or 2020? Uh, they're on their third season. Right. Because yeah, so, I know CBS so is weird, man. Like Survivor's run for like 20 seasons, but it's only been on the air for like eight, something yeah. like that. Well, it, it's also understandable because a lot of people block out the first season because uh, for some so reason. Bad. In the well, first six months of this year. Yeah. Or the last nine. I don't know. One or the other. Well, I, I kind of, and sorry to, to butt in, but the um, I kind of get what they were doing with the first season. You know, it, it was off-putting and dark for a reason, you know, and not to spoil anything for people that haven't seen it, but, you know, it, it definitely has that twist at the end and gets a little brighter and you realize, you know, oh, shit, this is why everything was fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Saru has become one of my favorite characters in all of sci-fi. Yeah. Him and Tilly. Now, I know that those characters are... They started all the way at the beginning, but something that they went through this year just opened my heart up to them because Tilly is opening up and being this one character where she's given more responsibility and given more um, encouragement and more roles to take part in. And her character is really opening up. And Saru, I mean, um, the actor's name escapes me, but my God, I'm, I'm a huge Greg Jones, thank you. Yes, I love Greg Jones. I, I I love everything he does. I just watched, I think it was Batman Returns the other day. I was like, is that Greg Jones? I think it is. Weird skinny guy? Yeah. So it's it's strange what he pops up in. And he's definitely becoming one of my favorite actors of all time. Very nice. Now, if you, you, you like Star Trek then, huh? A little bit, yeah. You'll probably want to, uh, Leo. What time is that show next week? Uh, oh, uh, eight o'clock. Eight o'clock next week on the Dorkening Network. Yeah, uh, we will be interviewing Michael Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doug Jones, not Greg. I thought it was Doug Jones. Yes, but Doug yes. Jones has found. Or yes, we will. Uh, we will, we will be uh, interviewing Michael Dorn on Tuesday at eight. Do you yeah. want to drop the other the other one? We can wait for right. our announcement a little later. Because we have another guest that Ashes and I are be, will be interviewing for next week's Throwdown uh, Thursday. I, it's one of those, I, I, I don't know how it happened exactly, but it happened. And I'm glad I will it's explain happening. the story of how it happened when we get there. And and I just I, I can't I can't think of word. Like when I think of this guest coming on, I can't word properly. I'm going to give a teaser. So I'm, I'm going to have to like get my shit together before Tuesday when we interview yes. him for the show. Well, on Thursday. Leo knows who it is, but uh, I'm going to give a, a, I'm like, I just never, it's one of those never in a bajillion years. Like you have like, you know, guests that you're like, okay, these people are attainable. I'll reach out sure. to this person. But like you never think of like this person. Our guest is uh, someone from, uh, it was a very hard time scheduling them. It is not Patrice Bergeron, no. Uh, it is someone we had a very difficult time scheduling because of are you kidding? If it was where they Bergeron, live. I, I just, uh, uh, they are going to be calling in from New Zealand. Yeah. So that's your hint. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy. And it's they fantastic. will be uh, they will be 
on the show with we we will be running the show and, with new zeal and enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> well, and you guys ask, you know, how you landed at guests, and I can tell you exactly how it's building relationships, you know. And the same thing that you know with Michael Dorn, it's you know working with you know some awesome people in the industry and you know building a relationship with them and you know you guys built up a, a awesome relationship with with that person and you know then things happen you know yeah it was interesting we'll, we'll get into a little more detail as to how it came about but that's the long and short of it leo you're right like you know building up these relationships that we yeah. have uh with some people um throughout the film industries but uh, all right, so Bob, you've given us one character. Leo, why don't you give us one? Uh, well, I will actually. Uh, this is like a split personality because uh, this person actually has two characters this year. Um, and I'm going to say this first because it's also another Star Trek person uh, Jack Quaid, uh, which is Huey Campbell in The Boys and also Ensign Brad Boimler in Lower Decks, which is absolutely friggin' phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, Dennis Quaid's uh, kid. I believe so. That Dude, sounds Dennis right, yeah. Randy. Randy's insane now. Yeah. I don't know if you've no, seen it's... some of the shit he's done. <laughs> Have he's... you ever been insane? Yeah, but this is way worse. No, he, he is the product of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Okay. So. Oh, he... <laughs> okay. Randy is the one that got all, like, political, right? Yeah, the one yeah. where he, he had that video where it's just, like, him right up against the camera and there's yeah. like a red strobe light flashing in his face while he spews conspiracy theories. When he's got like this huge like wilderness beard. So, so wait, his his character from Independence Day? No, like Worse. It, it, Russell Tate would look at him and go, "Fucking relax, dude. You're a little nuts." <laughs> look, I got an anal probe from space aliens. I know what they're up to. Like. You need to settle down. He's halfway between Russell Tate and the raving derelict from The Simpsons, the episode where Bart sold his soul. He's halfway between those two. Um, yeah, he's a, he's in that in that range. So yeah, Leo, you have a couple of guys from uh, from Star Trek or yeah, Jack Quaid uh, character from Star Trek. Yeah, so he plays. If you haven't seen Lower Decks, uh, you know it's a, a Star Trek cartoon, but it's it's you know a lot of shows take like a lot of Star Trek shows. You know they we call something growing the beard, where it takes a couple seasons for it to find its footing. Uh, Lower Decks was like right out of the park. You know, just like episode one, just smashed it, and each episode got better. And it's just you know a phenomenal show. I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, but he plays Boimler uh, and some Boimler, and also Huey Campbell in The Boys. Which, I uh, would like to uh, point out the irony that you are the one who brought up the phrase "growing the beard" and not Bob. <laughs> um, it's hard to tell. Like Leo's got very like light fine facial hair it's it, and you've got that light right on you yeah and it's going white so that doesn't help anything so yeah, it's, it's easy everybody. to dye that way like like it's easy to dye your beard that way i didn't mean like i've been i've been thinking about become that. deceased <laughs> i i didn't want anyone thinking i was making an old age joke it's okay Everybody get permitted. 
Do you want to do you want to give one of your you know what I'll I'll give one of my uh well I have a quick while we're getting these guys list I'm going to drop my my list of the top documentaries I watched this year. Okay. Cuz I watched a few and it kind of ties into uh what we are wow you know what's so I just clicked on my email and I have an email that just came in 3 minutes ago. That says restore hair and self confidence. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got Colleen in the house. Colleen says, I mean, we all go white, then eventually become deceased. True story. Unless you are Gandalf. Gandalf goes white and just lives forever because he is immortal. So bright just get brighter. Yes. So my top documentaries, I, I had uh, four documentaries that I put on my list this year. Uh, in I, I did like a top three, and then I threw one on for a uh, an honorable mention. Um, we just recently watched My Octopus Teacher on uh, Netflix. So good. So good. If you Very haven't good. seen it, I highly recommend it. Heard Very it. interesting. I it never, has sharks. I, I've never felt those kind of feelings towards an octopus before. I, and I also learned a lot of things, too. I definitely recommend it for the uh, Cephalopodcast gentlemen that are in the room. And looks like we got uh, Phil from Dark Discussions watching. Mm -hmm. Hi, Phil. Glad you're uh, joining us. So that's my honorable mention, my octopus teacher. Uh, and these other three, I can't put any of them in any specific order because they were each really good and they're both on, and they're all on wildly different subject matter. Uh, first is all hail the popcorn King, the documentary on Joe R. Lansdale from uh, uh, Hansi Oppenheimer who did a phenomenal job. Um, she's just a, a fantastic person. Uh, overall, we had her on the show a couple times. Mm -hmm. uh, she participated in our, uh, our, uh, horror trivia which will be coming back i have to finish doing that but you know with the the way things get busy towards the end of the year but we'll get back to that uh also the orange years mm. the documentary about nickelodeon mm -hmm. which was excellent by the way uh if you haven't seen it you can pick it up on amazon um they did a big giveaway they they gave away a whole bunch of stuff uh signed by the different uh cast members Folks like Keenan Thompson and and uh, I almost called her Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, oh, we're we're this is Lori about no Melissa Joan Hart. A lot of a lot of three names yeah. happened in the nineties. What was that, Bob? Uh, th you're, this is revolving. This documentary revolves around uh, Nickelodeon uh, sitcoms, right? Not the uh, like the live TV stuff they did. No, everything like Nickelodeon oh. from its inception to its eventual like not demise but how it's been Ooh. kind of downsized it's really really good mm. uh we interviewed I, the directors i gotta check this out because myself and members of my family um did production work for nickelodeon down here at universal studios for a number of years so I mean, I think they, they like talk it. about the whole Universal Studios experience and how how the kids used know, to sneak in there and go on the Terminator ride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know it, it primarily touches base on a lot of stuff that happened in the '90s, so kind of like late '80s and well into the '90s, talking about Nicktoons. Like and they started all of these with shows, Pinwheel. you know. Yeah. but they but they do talk about 
the Nickelodeon studios and the experience that it was supposed to be and everything for kids. So, so yeah, I think you'll really enjoy it. Like it was a nice kind of just little piece of nostalgia. That was really nice. I watched it and uh, kind of needed. Yeah, it was, it was great. And I, I highly recommend it. Um, our, and my number one documentary of the year, uh, because we've had uh, multiple interactions and multiple interviews with the uh, gentleman who directed and produced it, is Wolfman's Got Nards, uh, the documentary about uh, the Monster Squad, how it went from movie that no one saw in the theater because it was getting crushed by the Lost Boys and came out the same weekend, to how it became this underground cult classic and like how nobody realized how huge of a hit this was and like what kind of following it had. And it's great getting to see the journey, getting to see Andre Gower and, uh, you know, all these other actors from the movie grown up. And some of the people that, you know, the movie affected folks like Adam Green, Seth Green, Joe Lynch. It's a, it's an excellent, excellent documentary. And uh, you get to hear a little bit from Fred Decker who directed the movie and how it almost ended his career um, you know, we get to see a little more from, uh, from, uh, Shane Black who wrote it mm-hmm. and was also busy that year writing Predator. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, so those are my top documentaries. So Bob, let's go to your, uh, your next entry on your list. The next entry on my list is from an anime that I was introduced to this year. And I have taken in so much anime this year. It's, a scary amount. I'd actually have to pull up the list, but one of my favorite characters is a, um, a I, I think she's called a, um, a demi-human. Uh, it's where it's a half animal, half human character. It's basically a old girl with ears and a tail. Her name is Raftalia from Rising of the Shield Hero, which I think this came out last year, but I got introduced to it this year. And this is quickly becoming one of my favorite animes of all time. The show is basically a character is an isekai, which is where you're transported to a different world of living. And he gets there and he has like everything going wrong for him uh, to the point where everybody's an asshole to him. So he starts up his own little band of adventurers to team up with him. And one of them is this raccoon girl who... Since his main weapon is a shield and he can't uh, use any offensive weapons, he trains her to be his sword and he'll use all the defense. And it's a really good show. I I thoroughly enjoy it. It's not so much a comedy. It is more of a drama, but it's got some great moments in it where a lot of character building, like this guy, he just wants to finish the mission and get the fuck home. He does not. Can I cuss? Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Watch yeah, you can't. <laughs> Good, because today's been a long day for me. Uh, yes, Rise of the Shield, Raftalia won Best Girl of the 2020 on Crunchyroll. Well, there you go. Yeah, she highly deserves that. I, I absolutely agree. That is, like I said, one of the best animes I've ever seen. Awesome. Yeah, Colleen is a big uh, anime fan, and she said, uh, uh, she said it's an epic anime, and I highly recommend it too. And she also said she loves Monster Squad and still needs to see that. Who said the pre- previous? I don't know. Somebody said Rising of the Shield Hero, Reptalia, one best yeah, uh, girl. Colleen as well. Like you just said. Colleen, message me your address and we'll send it to you. Yeah, we'll send you a copy. We'll send of, you a uh, copy. You, you have to see this. Oh. It's fantastic. If you're a fan of the film, 
even if you're just kind of like a casual fan like i was entering into this it'll it change your perception completely so yeah message me after the show or whenever and i will make sure you get a copy i just want to throw this out there for those of you with you know maybe a, a weak heart or uh, experiencing pregnancy it's going to get a little extreme in here in a little while so i just want to prepare you for how extreme this is going to be patsy are you pregnant I, I am not that I know of. <laughs> I am eating for two. Uh, I'm drinking for two. I oh. might have a parasite somewhere in here. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I, 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 I think I know what's going on. Uh, uh, yeah, Leo might know. So, okay. Leo, what's, who's next on your list? Uh, well, actually, I was going to ask a quick anime question. Since, uh, oh, please do. Uh, you are a... Uh, aficionado of uh and i know i said that wrong anime uh, i i saw there's a new x-men anime on netflix is that new or is that new to netflix do you remember the title because it could be new to netflix uh let's see i will i think it's new overall oh and we got uh we got james hanging out he says hi pj and happy new year's uh, James is trying very hard to convince me to uh, give give him my uh, Patriots helmet that I won recently uh, from my my sports group, uh, but I, I I told him I've turned down quite a few offers for this. Oh, How uh, many of them were sexual favors? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is new to Netflix. It came out in two thousand eleven, but it's like very japanese anime uh but x-men i'll have to check it out japanese yeah. anime do those even mix <laughs> yeah just with some vodka <laughs> oh, okay it's james birthday and james says uh <laughs> his, his love, love is, is more than, than enough, enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh, Steve says, happy birthday, James. And uh, I think Colleen is a French cat because she says le mal. <laughs> <laughs> Put your champagne down before you sip it. Le mal. <laughs> you don't, you don't. Le mal. <laughs> <laughs> James has a, a new uh, a new comment here. Oh God. Oh God, I'm starting to wheeze. Well, I, I anytime someone sends me these things, I just see them as the phonetic pronunciation. If someone sends me LOL, you know what I see? Goddamn Tie Fighter. That's what I see. <laughs> I see <laughs> you all right, Bob? No, I'm good. <laughs> so, Bob, <laughs> who's next on your list? What does that say? I wouldn't give up that Scott Sisson helmet either. No, it's not Scott Sisson. It was, uh, it was, uh, what the hell is it? Oh, Kyle Van Noy. It says you don't even remember who it is. I'm not a Patriots <laughs> fan. The only guy I probably would have traded that for is a Bo Jackson Raiders helmet. However, 
I won a Bo Jackson Raiders helmet two days ago in that group. Uh, that was fantastic. And he says, damn you, I cannot unsee that. And our good friend, First Time Mike is here. Hello, First Time Mike. He says, Happy New Year, Ashes Aww, and Patsy. Love you guys. New we Year, love you First too, Time buddy. Mike. First Time Mike is one of our oldest Class and, and best uh, friends and one of the earliest He's supporters of guy. the show. So, you know, you know what? Cheers to, cheers cheers to, to First, First Time, Time Mike. Thank you. I'll drink to that. First Time Mike is awesome. So, uh, Bob, uh, yeah. where were we? Oh, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, going yes, on the list, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, Bob, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't Bob give me name. His guy, lady, and Leo, guy, lady, next. lady guy. Yeah, uh, this is not a character, but an actual person. But he is a character in itself. Uh, and I put him on my list because he stood out so much that he separated. Uh, reality for a lot of people and took us out of the apocalypse mood, uh, but it's Tiger King. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? That's actually, yeah, he's definitely a character. You know who doesn't agree with you? That bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> uh, hey, all you cats and cool cats and kittens. You know, okay, honestly, I love her. Yeah, I love her. I yeah, love she her doused energy. her husband in sardine yeah, oil and fed him to a tiger. Of course, she that knew. bastard uh, deserved it. He was a liar. He was a cheater. And she's just he was a, a delight. horrible person. He got his comeuppance. But the, I mean, you know, we were, everybody was going through rough times when it came out, and I, I think that it was so off the wall that it really. You know, it really lessen the blow. Exactly. Everything. Yeah. You know what? You know what day it is? It's the 508th day of Hexmas. So on the 508th day of Hexmas, you get James from It Came from the 508 Productions. You need to stop with these horrible introductions. Uh, I will not. James He's probably worked on him. A blank void. I don't see him. Oh, boy. James, how's the void? How's the underworld? I don't think you can hear us. The no. void, the void, removes all. He's stuck well, in we're the gonna, Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll hear back from James momentarily. I'm going to turn up my. Uh, there is a bug I found with Streamyard. Since it's a browser based, uh, if you turn on your camera after you you go into Streamyard, uh, it doesn't pick it up, and you have to restart your browser. Yeah, and I've noticed if Ooh. I have OBS or something else. So yeah, else. James, you can hear us. Start. Yeah, OBS. Uh, I, or... uh, <coughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, I agree. Yeah, uh, OBS will that. take permissions and like not let anything else have it. Yeah, if you have IBS, that's a problem. You have to keep <laughs> running to the bathroom all the time. Uh, so we have we have Colleen saying no married woman doesn't want to feed her husband to a tiger. Some days. True story. But she had some good reasons. And uh, Parasite Steve says uh, James is in a black hole, or worse, he's watching the black hole. And I take exception. Hey. This is the second time today I'm taking exception to something that uh, Parasite Steve has said. First, he said that the lightsaber battle in 
Revenge of the Sith between Anakin and Obi Wan is middle to bottom of all the of all the stuff. He's including the TV shows as well, but I will say it for me. It's the highlight of the uh, highlight of the uh, the entire the movie. Particular. Yes, I mean most people are like oh it was great seeing Yoda jump around like that was all CGI. Watching these two dudes fight. Like with real lightsaber, you know, obviously they were using, you know, props and they were so intense. They kept breaking the props. Like it was awesome. We're going to pop James out for a moment. I love the black hole. Like it's one of my favorite Disney movies. Weirdest we are about, it's about to get extreme in here. I don't know if you guys can handle this because about to join the chat. We have Dan. Don't call me Danny Spencer. And Emma Extreme! <laughs> Emma Extreme, how are you today? Good. You feel extreme? Yeah. Uh, she's feeling <laughs> extreme. <laughs> Mad extreme. Emma, what day is it today? What day is it? You know. New Year's Eve, bruh. New Year's Eve. And what do we do on New Year's Eve? Um, like this week. You watching the Stooges? Let's say it again louder. Yeah. Watch the Three Stooges. That's what we do. So uh, she, she put makeup on me. It didn't come out as good. It might not show yeah. as good on the screen. Oh, uh, yeah. I have a little we bit have, of uh, Leo, who is the kingpin of the bargaining. We have uh, Bob. What up, Leo? Of the Hello. And uh, obviously, up, this Bob? is uh, my brother Dan and our niece, Emma Extreme. Emma, why are you so extreme? Um, you should never question that. She doesn't know. I mean, it's it's not it's 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 more of a way of life. It's not a choice. She just yeah, it comes extreme. naturally. And uh, yeah, Colleen says, "Ooh, Emma!" Colleen's very excited to see uh, you, Emma. What do you got for your glasses? I can't. Let, let's let's uh, let's zoom in. Let's see uh, Emma's. Oh, whoops! I didn't mean to remove you from the stream. Let's. Zoom in. Oh, look at that. Oh, fine. Emma, are you wearing are those all glasses? Or are you wearing makeup? <laughs> um, both. She got some blue eyes. She did some blue eyes on me, Ooh, which is tough to tell with the hat. My lips Very are kind of nice. shiny, which is tough to tell, but yeah, there's sparkles on them. Sparkles. No. Yep. <laughs> yep. This dad's that's living the daddy life. My, I, to the point where, especially during this this whole pandemic thing, where I would, I'm, I'm pretty much rocking shorts, hoodies, and you yeah. know, sandals all day long. Right so, now. so a lot of times I'd go out to the store to do some regular business and forget that my toes are hot pink. I get a little, I get a little chuckle wondering if everybody else sees, but it still gets me every time. Oh, good. Uh, James uh, apparently just uh, lost his. Laptop, like it just died on him while in the void. I thought you meant lost it. I'm like, how could this have happened? <laughs> yeah, he says that that's not 2020. I don't know what is. I mean, true, true story, but that sucks. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, try hopping on in your phone if you can. Um, <clears throat> who just messaged us that? Yes, this is the famous Emma from the Throwdown Thursday podcast promo, but also Emma. What's the show that you're on with with your daddy and your uncles? 
It was Steve that said that. Emma, do you do you remember the name of the show? What show? Yell it. That, uh, talk right. to the mic and yell it. Come on, project, girl. What you doing? The loudest sports show. The loudest sports show. Emma Extreme from the loudest sports yeah. show. Emma, who uh, and you she's generally the loudest room. kid in the damn room, but she's all timid now, apparently. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, <laughs> Emma loves. My camera goes on. Emma loves being on camera. Emma, tell the folks at home what you were trying to do a few weeks ago. What was going on in your mouth? I tried to pull my tooth out, and then right after we um, stopped it, my tooth came out. Minutes. Two minutes. I would say that's you a highlight of your year, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> how many, how many, How many teeth down are we this year? Five. Five in one year. Not too bad. Not wow. too bad. Making we, that tooth fairy work extra hard. We were trying the entire yeah, show to get Emma to pull her tooth. And seriously, two minutes after we finished, Dan sent me a video of two Emma minutes. pulling her tooth out. <laughs> two minutes. Legit two minutes. It was it was unbelievable, but it was still it was still something to behold because I've never I didn't get to actually see it in person and like witness the thing actually popping out and the look on her face. It was it was priceless. I was like, oh, 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 oh it's out. And then we get a standing ovation. Get Uncle Dave and Uncle and uh, Daddy clapping for you. That was good. God, your eyes are so blue, but you get it over here too. I know. I was trying to put brush on, Dad. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> So, I'm getting the third degree over here. I didn't prep you guys so much for what was going on. I just wanted to get you on and have Emma join this awesome live stream. Um, but if you guys were to pick your top five characters from the year, like from anything that you've watched this year, who who are your favorite characters, Emma? Who are your favorite characters from stuff that you watched this year? Uh, the Grinch and. What do we watch every night? Who do you like from that show? Cody. Whoa! Oh my God! I'm so proud. Say it to the mic. Say it to the mic, please. Say it to the mic. <laughs> say it to the mic. Seriously. Cody. I didn't hear what you said. Curly. Say it again. Cody. What is he in? Oh God! She said curly. Girl after my own heart. I can't even handle it. Yeah, I know. It's New Year's Eve. We're eating three. We're eating three compartment, you know, caramel, cheese, and butter popcorn, and and watching uh, the Three Stooges. I mean, if that if that's not real, I don't know what is. That's 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 who the, else? Uh, that's the epitome. Who else? Though? Um, Here you go, lady. Who? Say it loud. Say it on the mic. Look at the camera, bro. <laughs> um, who is she? Who'd you Who'd you just say? No, who'd you say? I'm going to tell you. Crazy, say it, say it louder. Crazy cat lady. Yeah, she's up there. <laughs> and look, look, look at right behind, right behind, right behind his shoulder. Who do you see? That was somebody else you just said. Right over here. Look right behind him. Who are you pointing at? Right here. Who do you see? Oh, oh. Say it louder. She just said. 
Homer, yeah, she likes Homer, but yeah, oh, that crazy cat lady. <laughs> She's my favorite one. That, that I was gonna say, it, it's, it's one of those things where if you see your dad's like it, then then you're all over there. Yeah, that's that's where it's at. Colleen, anybody says, else? Awesome. We used to do both the Stooges and Twilight Zone and flip yeah. between the two when I was little. Same. It's solid. Ooh. Yo, it's so funny you said that. About a half hour ago, we I just showed her the Bur Burgess Meredith one with the glasses. We just that. watched that. We just we just watched that. She goes, but he broke his glasses. How's he going to weed? I'm like, ooh, yeah, he's going to have a hard time now. Ugh. There was time now. There was time. Oh God, that was so, so bad. Dan, how, how about you? Lost his throw, glasses, a couple, Dan. Uh, throw a couple characters out there for us. Stuff that you've seen this year that you uh, um, had never Ripley, seen before. Ripley, first off, yeah, I'm gonna say Ripley. 2020 has been an awakening for me as far as the Alien films, which have now become like one of my favorites. I wasn't something that I, I, honest to goodness, I think it was it was Dave's birthday that we watched the very first Alien, and I've since consumed every single one of them, including the Alien versus Predators, which I was like, eh, eh, eh. But the first couple, yeah, Rip Ripley's, Ripley's my dude. Um, and and I'm, I'm not great with character names, but um, Kyle Reese's character, I think it was the second Hick. one. He was awesome. Corporal And Hick. I was bummed that. I'm very Yeah, dude, he, he was the jam. Although I did, you know what? I, I will say too. I like Pullman's character too. He was such a sniveling bastard, and also, I thought when before I had seen any of them again, no basis for comparison, no understanding of who was in the movies. When we watched the first movie, I thought I saw Pullman, but Pullman wasn't in it. Um, am I saying uh, uh, Paxton? Sorry, Paxton, not Pullman. God, I always do that. Well, Pullman Paxton wasn't in it either. Piece. Yeah, but Paxton was. Paxton was. He was in the second one. And and yeah. he was he was one of my favorite ones. He was so pessimistic. Everything. Oh man, it's gonna go so bad, man. Like he won't. Yeah. Game over, man. Game over. Game over, man. <laughs> this little girl survived with no guns and no training. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I was. I was would big you, on that uh, one. Um, would you throw a, a movie that we watched together that you had seen for the first time earlier this year in February? The thing. Would you throw anybody from there on your list? I, not for my favorite of the year, no. Um, I, 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 honest to goodness, I got to say my uh, – it may sound cliche because it's 2020, but I'm not going to go Joe Exotic with this, but I'm going to go from the Tiger King, and it would be the guy that held ammo at the uh, Walmart that he had uh, taken to be his uh, campaign manager. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, had that dude. Unfortunately, had that dude pull out the Luger and put it to his head. Hey, man, it's Luger, it's not loaded. And you got to. Oh God, that was brutal. That poor guy had no idea what he was getting into with the garbage meat and the meth and the, all this. It was fortunate to see, but that guy I thought was was priceless because he never really had it. It seemed political aspirations, but he's like, you know, this is my dream job. But he didn't. He said it was his dream job, but never made it seem like he had any political aspirations, but got involved with this mess of humanity and had to deal with all that nonsense down there with, with uh, Joe Exotic and the gang. That's uh, That was a little, 
Um, and I got to say, because that she's latched on to her, the crazy cat lady has become more ingrained in my heart. Um, oh, she's boy, always been know. one of my favorites, especially in the, uh, the, 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 the Bart's people one, especially, uh, we, we've stumbled upon the one where they showed how she became like a successful person and degenerated into the, uh, the crazy cat lady over time. But, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, I'm going to say The Fiend from WWE, I think, isn't everybody's cup of tea. But um, we're talking the longest-running weekly episodic uh, television show of all time, which was Monday Night Raw, which is where he was most of the year. Fantastic. And, and again, that's he, he was the Savini special, making the mask, making the lantern. And then when they had the total uh, emulation of him getting – Torched on live television, yeah, that that clearly wasn't him, but it was made by some very skilled. So uh, I think the Fiend was one of the better television characters, and I that was one of the top five experiences that were there in a box at the uh, Garden, one of the last wrestling events that was run live in front of a full arena of people in Boston at the end of February. That was fantastic. Yeah, but I think I, that's where I, we're at. Anything I didn't cover, Boo Boo? Yeah. Oh, all this stuff? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, so so we went over top five things that happened to us this year. I might have. Yes, you can, please. After you, the mic's all yours, little Bob. Talk into the mic and look at the camera. Um, we. Jumpy place. We went to Jumpy place. You know what the jumpy place is? What do we do at the jumpy place? We jump on trampolines. Yeah, we went to a couple of trampoline parks. She wanted to talk about this. We went to the trampoline park a couple of times. It was awesome. And then I went to a hotel with my daddy, and then we ate food at Uncle. I think we got food at Uncle. No, we went to. We went to so a lot, we actually got a pretty amount of things in before the, the world shut down. So we went to during February vacation of her actual, you know, first school year. We went to a hotel and swam in the pool and hung out in a hot tub and went to see Uncle Dave because he was right up the road. So that was a lot of fun. And we went, well, we, me and Daddy went to the beach and I got a whole thing of cotton candy and it looked like I was eating. Fluffy cotton candy. How big was the cotton candy? Like as big as my head. As big yeah. as her head. It was unbelievable. And I think there's some pictures of that online. It looked like she was devouring a corpse. It was just like, ah, this is red all over her face. It was so And ice skating. And I've been ice skating for my first time. Yep. And we already said this. You lost five teeth. I lost five teeth. And what? What else? What else? Um, what else? Oh, yeah, I got my ears pierced. And Unky, uh, Unky Pat and Auntie Ashley hooked got you up with some ears. sweet earrings. She, she was wearing the uh, the Halloween earrings up until it got to the point where I said, Okay, it's literally Christmas Eve, let's switch them over to the ones with the little <laughs> bells on them. Like, I know you like the spider web ones, but let's be seasonal. <laughs> what are you kissing the mic for? <laughs> 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 I know she and she's the one that has to drink it. My God. 
<laughs> we did get a uh, happy new we year. We also played we also played mini golf for the first time, which was pretty which was pretty fantastic. She yeah. this this kid killed it in, in mini golf. She came back in the second half, almost beat me. It was about four hundred degrees that day, which was exceptionally impressive. Somebody likes to see themselves on camera. <laughs> Emma, why are you so shy? Just yeah, it's horrible that she's so shy. Yeah, really. You know, this is, if anybody's wondering, this is indicative of the TikTok generation. Oh, I'm on camera. I need to dance. I need to do my thing and like do the whole. Uh, uh. Yeah, it never, it never stops. It never stops. Yeah, no I'm, I'm kind of anti TikTok, but it is what it is. Yeah, right. That was it, Bubba. Okay. That was all my stuff. So let's uh, let's swing back over to Bob because uh, we haven't heard from Bob in a while. Because Emma's been hogging the spotlight. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, spotlight on that girl. Let her shine. Who uh, who else is in your, is in your uh, list of characters? And Dan, I'm very disappointed that McCready did not make your list. Uh, yeah, you know I. I, I was I watched a lot of stuff, you know. I got to say, I watched a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. It was mostly documentaries. Hey, if I could give a specific character my favorite person that was spoken about in any of the things that I watched, it'd be DB Cooper. I I, I finally went. I've been obsessed with DB Cooper, and then finally went back and watched the whole uh, documentary about him. And there's literally like four different families of people that. Oh no no! I know that my husband ex father uh you know father that turned into a mother and husband all these different people i know they were db cooper uh, that's 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 been such a focus of of my uh i don't know attention is the db cooper thing so that, that that'd be my number one if i had to put a number one on anything is db cooper and then ripley db cooper and ripley that should be a movie that's that sounds like a buddy comedy to me i'm just saying uh <laughs> the new um History Channel has a new show, History's Greatest Mysteries, and like their first episode was D.B. Cooper as well. And uh, it was pretty good. I love that. I'm wondering why there's not like a sweet full-length film. I think there was one with like Robert Redford. It was like a weird, like a, like, like an interesting kind of, like, I think Treat Williams might have been involved, which usually kind of brings me in. If you got Treat Williams, usually that reels me in. But otherwise, I think there should be a modern-day D.B. Cooper movie because that's like the coolest shit ever. Treat Williams Never. was pretty awesome in uh, Dead Heat with Joe Piscopo. Um, yeah. He was also the principal, if we're not forgetting. Tom, no, no, let's not let's not mix it up because Tom Berenger was the substitute. Treat Williams was the principal. Then oh. we have to bring the baby in for the show. Nope, it is Callie. <laughs> yeah, who totally. <laughs> Callie, uh, aka, totally wants to be in this room right now. <laughs> she looks like she really wants yeah. to be in the room. She's thrilled. This, this is totally her favorite. Uh, oh, Treat Williams was great in Deep Rising. So, Bob, who else you got on I'm your not. list? Let's, let's go back over to you. Well, aside from uh, what we just witnessed. Um, one of my favorite characters is actually a return character, someone who, uh, and it's not really a single character, it's like a trio of characters, that they were around like, I don't know, 20 years ago, and then they made their return, and that's the Warner Brothers and sister. 
what a great yes. goal, bro. What a great goal. Yeah, I love that show. And the when the relaunch happened, I was like, you guys have not missed a step. This show is yep. just as good as I remember it. Yeah, yep. slightly, slightly a little more woke than uh, yeah. before and just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Everyone wants to come on my island. It's a fabulous island. It's like the best island. Oh, dude, that that, that whole point. That first, that first episode slayed me when they ever had Trump. Or, or no, the second episode with Trump in the Odyssey. Oh, God, that killed me. It killed me. I was dying. Yeah, those Leo, first two you? episodes where they're just recapping. Oh, sorry, everything. Bob, go ahead. Oh, that's all right. Uh, those first two episodes where they just recap everything that had happened over the last twenty some odd years, especially the one in song. song. Yes. Yeah, in a song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then they, they start predicting the tablets. <laughs> they swallow the tablets. Yeah, yeah, that was the best. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right, Leo, where are you? Uh, I'm going to go with, this is a show that uh, my wife and I just found recently. And we're we're almost through it. We're on the last season. Uh, and it's a three-way tie of Liz, Jack, and Kenneth from 30 Rock. Oh, yes. I love that series so much. I think I'm going to have to revisit it. Patsy hasn't seen it. I love. I think I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. Yep. Liz Lemon. I, yeah. Tina Fey is brilliant. She's a brilliant writer. She's a brilliant actor. And her her delivery is just so perfect. And Alec Baldwin. Yes. In that series is just everything. He's everything. Like the, the entire cast is just so good. I love me so some Jack good. McBrayer. Uh, I love the. Uh... Oh, and, and he's he's transvestite prostitute. He plays on Bob's Burgers. He's hilarious in this series. Like I mean, everyone does such an amazing. He's fixing job. Felix. Like oh my god, it uh, it is so good. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, you should definitely uh, pass it. You should definitely check it out. <laughs> Tina, just Tina Emma, Fey, like fam. <laughs> yeah, she's 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 hanging out. Yo, Tina Fey's brilliant. I gotta say. Outside of SNL, my favorite thing that she ever did was the first season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. When she played like the Marsha Clark, the Marsha Clark type character. But that whole thing with the whole court proceedings when they had the girl that kept like going into Hulk Hogan mode and like hulking up, it was the uh -huh. funniest thing. But they but they had the they had the uh the Marsha Clark uh character as well. I'm I'm forgetting the other guy's name. Uh uh, uh, uh Somebody, Johnny Cochran. Somebody helped yes, they had the other Johnny Cochran type of type of contingent there as well. Oh, that first season was killer. All those people were awesome, but that was all Tina Fey. She's brilliant as hell. And you know what? what? Mean Girls doesn't suck. Mean <laughs> Girls does not suck. Mean Girls is. I mean, I, Mean Girls is. It's great. I fucking love it. I, I think it's great. I, I don't. I don't mind Mean Girls at all. That's one of those ones that I can I can watch with folks and go, okay, I get this now. A little bit of Tim Meadows. A little bit of Tim Meadows is good. Give me, give me Tim Meadows. Uh, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Like Dewey Cox, Tim Meadows. I was say, you want no favorite, part of this, Dewey Cox? Get out of here, Dewey. You don't want no part of this. I kind of think I do. <laughs> she, she, uh, she, does have, she does have a new show coming out. Uh, uh, Mayor. Well, she was in Seoul. Yeah, but uh, Mr. Mayor is a new series with. Um, uh, oh, what's the oh, guy? Yeah, from? dancing. Yeah, is it dancing? Yeah. Yep. 
Ah, I like me some Ted Danson. I was I'm like, oh, he's still alive from way back. All over Ted Danson. <laughs> Did you watch uh, Good Place? No. I didn't. No, I you know what? I heard all about that. Was uh, no, so so you know, we haven't watched him, him and uh, heard really good Kristen things. Bell. It was so Kristen Bell, yeah. Yep, yeah, and Ted Danson. Oh my God, that show is so good. Yeah. Easily one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. Steve says, "Ouch, my bones," and we just lost uh, Dan and Extreme. Oh. All right, so Leo, while we're waiting for yeah, to... that's a that's a really good pick. Actually, I'm gonna have to get him to watch it, and we're gonna have to do a Throwdown Thursday episode on Liz Lemon, and we'll have to have yeah. Leo on as a guest. Uh, I'm, I'm dissect that character because she is fantastic. Oh uh, yeah, and I realized uh, uh, I was reading some uh, some uh, little tidbits on the web about it. I guess the potato chips or the cheese that she eats, the the Spanish on it says like lonely woman food or something like that. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I miss I miss the actress, but who are we talking about that had that one? Oh, it was uh, Liz Lemon's uh, the first couple seasons. She's always eating like these Cheez-Its and, uh, oh, right. and and it's like written in Spanish and it's like lonely woman food or something like that. That's hilarious. One, one yeah. thing I thought that I, I thought you could have been talking Tina Fey only because that brings me back to an SNL skit that she did about uh, a character or a product for women that she did a, a commercial for was like full baked men. Where you could put the like it's like a Duncan Hines type of thing. You put it in the uh, microwave and it's this full sized man that you put in the bed next to you. It's like a brownie, but with like a, a fudge filling type of thing. Yeah, I remember that one. Hilarious. It's like it that, like that the, one the, in the Taco uh, Town one. Like the anime that you can get, but it yeah. was yeah, it was like an edible brownie guy. Exactly. It was a whole dude like, oh, you you really know what I like. Har, 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 har. like it was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> but hey, we, we have to we have to bid you all adieu. We wanted to hop on and say say hello and happy new year. And Emma wanted to do my makeup even though you can't see it. But we have yeah. we have we have cupcakes to make, three stooges to watch, Ooh. but uh, cer- certainly wanted to say hey to everybody and happy new year. Well, thank say you for joining. Emma. What what do you got? Yeah. What is your uh, what's your line? What are you gonna say? What's your line? Play us out. What do you say? Play us out. Peace out. I'm out of here. <laughs> happy New Year. Good good good. good, good, good to meet you guys. Good to meet Love you guys. You. Love y'all. And we we'll, we out. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help herself. She's uh, she's she's a bit of a showman. She's like the greatest showman. Peace out, y'all. Later. <laughs> oh. oh, that was funny. That was funny. Oh, we got Desiree watching. Uh, let's catch up on a couple of things. Peace out, Emma says. Uh, Steve. Uh, Colleen says the Good Place is an incredible show. Um. Yeah. So Leo, let's get your uh, your next spot while you're drinking. Let me ask you to, to start talking. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, what's what's next on your list? Okay, so this here is uh, it's actually a series, uh, a trilogy, and I've been putting off watching this for the longest time. My dad loved this, and you know, it's I lost him about twenty years ago, so I've been like wait, like I haven't been watching this on purpose, and I finally decided to watch it. Uh, it's the Man with No Name from the Dollars trilogy. 
Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. Yes, I watched uh, Fistful of Dollars. Holy shit, is that a good movie? Do you know why they're called spaghetti westerns? Uh, I do not. Uh, I learned about this because I've been watching some spaghetti westerns for a podcast, and uh, you're going to find some of those on my uh, on my list. Uh, I do a, a, a podcast with uh, my buddy Rigor. It's called The East Meets the West, where we pair a uh, Shaw Brothers kung fu film with a spaghetti western. And spaghetti westerns are Italian westerns that were mostly shot in Spain to take advantage of the desert. But because they were uh, pretty much all in Italian with Italian actors and Italian directors, they got the nickname Spaghetti Westerns. I get it now. Okay. So it's a little bit oh, racist. Why, spaghetti? why not cannoli westerns? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> cannoli westerns. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe it just doesn't sound as menicing. Yeah. Leave Although the gun, take the cannolis. Menacing either. Lasagna Nothing westerns. projects strength like a limp noodle. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been watching some good ones. I've, I've seen a couple, and uh, some of those made it onto my uh, onto my list of top 10 films of the year, which we're going to go through shortly. Um, Cause we're at eight sixteen Now we have some, uh, we have some stuff. So I'm going to quickly, what, before we get to uh, Bob and uh, Leo's top two, I'm going to give you my top five short films of the year. Cause uh, I've watched close to 400 films this year, including shorts and documentaries. That's insane. Uh, yeah, well, I'm way behind some of my friends who are at close to six and over five. So next year, uh, my goal is 400 movies. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go in order. Uh, Kill Me in the Moonlight, which uh, is an excellent film starring, uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm losing Chris Salvi and Gabriel Rassan. Uh, Fried Berry, which is an excellent short. Uh, Junkie, who uh, we had on, and then uh, Lou, uh, Louis, Leo, <laughs> Louis, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the champagne's got a kick. Uh, we interviewed the writer-director, Alyssa Batello, mm -hmm. and then we had her on Indie Creator Spotlight to talk about the film as well, because that just dropped on YouTube in November. Uh, the Stranger, which is a short film that hasn't seen a wide release what was featured in the uh, Without Your Head uh, short film festival that was all online earlier this year, uh, directed by Jeremy Joseph Aruda, who I am a huge fan of not only his art, but his uh, his filmmaking. Mm -hmm. uh, he is incredibly talented. That whole family is incredibly talented. Uh, and my number one short of the year is one that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. And that is The Priest Hunter from uh, Skip Shea, starring our good buddy, Dynamo Mars as the priest. Uh, that one won some awards uh, in, I believe, in the uh, Italian film festival that they did earlier mm -hmm. this year. Yeah, uh, it's excellent, and it's the beginning of a series. And uh, we had Skip on to talk about his film Trinity a couple years ago, and uh, that's a hell of a film. Uh, I highly recommend that as well, uh, starring uh, David Graziano, Sean Carmichael, Diana Porter. Um, based on a true story based based on actual events yeah uh definitely definitely check that out uh so bob number two what you got number two um so this is the character who has been around for a while but he is in a new median uh where if you remember 
I think it was two years ago, we were introduced to uh, into the Spider-Verse with my Miles Morales. Well, now there's a video game oh. of Miles. I, I'm still in the process of playing this, and from what I've told, it's not a very long game, but uh, what I am have played so far, it's very, very good. They almost seem like completely separate characters, this Miles Morales and the ones from the animated movie uh, recently, which, by the way, best superhero movie of all time, uh, in my opinion. Just, I mean, that's it's up there. Yeah. Mm. If not one of the best animated movies of all time as well. But this uh, this version uh, is a little bit different. The character is a little different. So the I really like the portrayal of this guy. I love uh, it showing how he is adapting to his abilities, and then you know, right as he's just starting to get his feet wet, starting to learn the ropes and everything, Peter Parker Spider Man goes and he fucks off for two weeks. So he's got <laughs> Miles is now in charge of being Spider-Man for all of New York for that short amount of time. So it's really good uh, what I've seen so far. It, the action is just as good as the original game was. So I'm I'm looking forward to finishing this. But yeah, Miles Morales of Spider-Man. I'm still in the process of finishing the uh, first Spider-Man game. I have not done that yet, but I jump I, around between games a lot. I would highly recommend finishing that and doing all the DLC, even though some of it can get a little repetitive at time, but it's the kind of I repetitive. I caught all the here. pigeons. <laughs> that well, that's that was a challenge. There's I think one that was a pain mission. in the balls is what that yeah. was. Yeah. There's one mission I still haven't completed from that original game, and at this point I'm like, nah, <laughs> whatever, I, I can move on without it. I also did the uh, all the the radio beacons or whatever, I got all those turned on. Yeah, I think it was the screwball missions I never finished, only because I couldn't stand the character's voice anymore. It's like, all right, let her do her own thing. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, there's very few games that I go through and 100%. And uh, so far, there's two that I've 100%ed. One is Maneater, uh, which is free for PlayStation 5 on PS Plus next month. And the other is Fallout 4, which I have played probably 30 times to completion over the past four years. And I've put more hours into that than any game I've ever played in my entire life. And I'm still finding and seeing new things in that game. If you like fallout four, uh, check out cyberpunk. I'm waiting till they, uh, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. I know it's it's very buggy, uh, but it's. Uh, How are you enjoying it? What system are you playing it on? Uh, uh, modded PS4. Modded, okay. Yeah, I uh, upgraded the hard drive to SSD. Leo's character is uh, Johnny Mecha Balls. Like that's. Colleen uh... <laughs> said she uh, she did Witcher three this past year, and it was incredible. I haven't started The Witcher. I have. I bought it when it was on sale with all the DLC. Same thing with Spider-Man and Red Dead Redemption and a few other games. So I have a lot of games to go through. Uh, and Steve says, I hated those screwball missions. Oh, God. He knows my pain. So, Leo, who's uh, who's number two for you? Uh, this one's a little odd. Um, it is... Um, I, I copied and pasted it. Where did it go? Hold on. I need to refine it. Uh, Herschel Greenbaum from An American Pickle. 
Ah, uh, see, if you had just said Herschel Green, I would have been like, oh, you're on season two of The Walking Dead. Have <laughs> <laughs> uh, you checked out that film yet? No. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I yeah. like Sean Whalen. I'm a big fan. Oh, we have uh, Steve says, uh, heading out. Happy New Year's to all you fine dorks. Be safe, social distance, wear masks, and don't play with knives. If you have the knives, it's easier to social distance. It's true. <laughs> nicey, nicey. Well, thank you, Steve. We're going to be playing your uh, your voicemail very shortly. Uh, so we appreciate you hanging out. Uh, have a good evening with uh, with your family. And uh, stay safe. And uh, enjoy all the octopies. <laughs> Was that a threat? <laughs> no, I was going to say octopi and octopuses, so I just said octopies. I like pie. Mm. That gives me Especially an idea for our them. next get-together, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Leo. Uh, no, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I just found his character, like, really, you know, he's a man uh, out of time and, you know, trying to find his way in, in the future for him, and it's... uh. I just found it a very heartfelt movie, and uh, you know his character was really, really down to earth. So I enjoyed it. Colleen says, "I see you've played Knifey Spoony before." <laughs> <laughs> and Steve says, "Octopi." Mm -hmm. And then someone said, "Got it." I don't know who. We have to keep refreshing the feed. Oh, Steve said that. Um, so speaking of Steve, let's let's uh, let's listen to what uh, Parasite Steve and Doctor Matteo. Uh, had to say. Hey, Throwdowners, how's it going? It's uh, your buddy Parasite Steve over here from the Retro Redoxacephala podcast. And with me, as sometimes, is my roving reporter buddy, Dr. Matteo. Say hi, Dr. Matteo. Hey, guys. How's it going? So uh, we are calling in to be a part of your big finale, your big 2020 finale. And we got our top five characters of 2020 and uh just to make sure we we didn't screw this up we, we did uh pick some characters that didn't come out in 2020 but they were characters that we discovered and that means uh, have meant something to us over this very very uh plague-ridden uh, not super fun times of year so dr matteo i think you're actually ready do you want to go first yes please so for my top five list i have my first one is Appa from Avatar The Last Airbender. It is not a new show, it's from 2005. And um, Appa is really cute and fluffy. He's a sky bison and he really helps them out. And Avatar is just about these kids on their journey to defeat the fire lord. Um, my second one is Brea from The Dark Crystal Show. Um, Brea is really brave, and she goes against what everyone else thinks, but goes with what she thinks, even though everyone tells her no. And um, The Dark Crystal is just about some um, some gelflings, <laughs> some gelflings, and uh, they have to deal with. Um, my third one is Mr. Kim from Kim's Convenience. Um, Kim's Convenience is just about this, um, 
Korean family, and they own a convenience store in Canada. And Mr. Kim is the main character. He's super sweet and kind, and he acts all tough in front of everyone, but really, he's just super, super sweet. Um, then I have Lydia from One Day at a Time. She's sweet and funny, and um, the new One Day at a Time. And um, she um, doesn't realize she's being funny, but it's just super funny. <laughs> and um, sometimes she's a little over the top, but she's super awesome. And One Day at a Time is just about a Cuban family um, from L.A. And then I have my last one. It's not from a TV show or anything. And lately I've been playing that a lot, and it's called Bush Ranger, and it's like, it's like a hedgehog, but it's made of wood, and it has, like, instead of the stones, it has leaves, and it's super cute. So that is my top five list. Nice, pretty awesome. That's a good list. Um, And I, I do want to just mention that. Maddie and I just finished watching Avatar The Last Airbender. It's really fun. Finally got around to it. And just finished all three seasons of that. It's a great show. Um, so for my top five characters, I'm going to start with a, uh, a new show that's actually, uh, it's going to be, I think it's in its third season, but it hasn't hit Disney Plus yet. So we've only seen the first two seasons. And that is the reboot of DuckTales. Mm-hmm. This was a favorite show of mine when I was a kid. And um, I am going to pick Gizmo Duck as my number one oh, yeah. uh, favorite character of 2020. I loved this character so much as a kid. He's basically the, uh, the, the Disney Duck Iron Man, uh, pretty much. And he's just great. I love his redesign so much. Uh, I love what they did. Everything they did about the character is just fantastic. And the way he looks, he's so much more bulky. And he just is just awesome. I love Gizmo Duck. So there's that. Um, and then uh, from there, I'm going to go to Arthur Morgan, the main character of Red Dead Redemption Part 2, Ooh. which is a game I've been playing almost this entire year. I think I started <clears> it uh, around, I mean, probably around February or so. I've literally been playing it the whole year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't play too many video games, but uh, this has been my, the one I keep going back to. And uh, just an awesome character. Awesome main character, uh, following in the tradition of uh, the original Red Dead Redemption game with John Marston. And, you know, I uh, these these characters that they come up with for this video game are just so incredibly cinematic and so well flushed out. I just love them to no end. And Arthur Morgan is a great new main character. Uh, from there, I'm going to go to the to the Mandalorian. Uh, you know, it's like I, I feel like I've been in such a such a Star Wars mood lately because of the Mandalorian and. I, I really feel like all the characters, you know, I, I could list the entire show, but I, I think I'm going to go with Boba Fett because mm-hmm. I've, you know, forever loved the character. And finally, we are getting justification for uh, why we like the character all along, which is that we were pretty sure he was a total badass, uh, even though if we didn't really get to see him do much before. Uh, but now there's there's some substance to that really super cool and seeing uh, Tamara Morrison uh, come back and play the character was 
an absolute thrill, and I am beyond excited for the book of Boba Fett next year. So, Boba Fett gets the number three spot. Um, uh, number four, I'm going to go with the main character of the Watchmen show, which was on HBO, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, Sister Knight, which mm-hmm. is a, a new superhero that they came up with for the show, because this is a sequel show for those who haven't seen it to the original story, and very much a, a, a sequel to the, the comic, not the Zack Snyder movie. Yes. And, uh, you know, she was played by Regina King, and it, she's an amazing character. And if you've seen the show, you know that it's perfect. And if you haven't seen the show, I'm not going to spoil anything. But um, she was played to the nines by Regina King. It was so, so awesome to see um, a woman uh, you know, in her 40s rocking such a physical role. Um, she was absolutely awesome all the way through uh, from the second one to the last, last the, literally the last shot of the show. Um, just really, really great. The character is actually Angela Abar in her superhero identity, Sister Night. Really, really awesome show. Uh, and finally, I'm going to go with um, a show that probably less people have watched, but Fewer. Uh, the show is, is Cap and Leonard, and it's based on the Joe R. Lansdale books, of which I'm a huge fan. And um, I'm going to go with the character of Leonard Pine, uh, played by Michael K. Williams. And the reason is because there are few times that I have seen a uh, TV show or movie adaptation of a book where it did actually stray a decent amount from the source material, but I loved it so much anyway because every duck was in a row as far as their heart was in the right place. Everything felt like Happen Leonard. Absolutely everything. Even when they did different stuff, even if I didn't like it as much as what happened in the book, it still felt completely correct. And I think that's why Watchmen was so good as well. But this was, uh, this was a character that I envisioned in my head, and seeing Michael K. Williams play this character, I, I, I mean, he is in my top five of all time, best, like, casting choices for anything. That's a bold uh, statement. Michael K. Williams mm-hmm. is Leonard Pine. It is, he is absolutely perfect in the show, and he is absolutely my favorite part of it. And it's a great show all around. Uh, definitely not my typical type of thing that I champion. It's, it's not so, so you know, geeky genre stuff, but it's, uh, it's a great show. It's funny. It has heart. It has a lot of action. It has, uh, you know, it's basically set in, uh, you know, Texas, deep south of Texas, and there's a lot of racism and a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, bad stuff happens to these two just kind of bumpkin best buddies, and uh, they get into their, uh, their, their brand of adventure. Awesome show, awesome books if you haven't read them. So there you go. That's our top fives. Uh, we've taken up enough of your time here. Um, and we hope you guys have an awesome show, an awesome next season, an awesome new year, an awesome everything. Dr. Matteo, you want to say anything before we go? Um, be safe. So listeners wear masks and don't play with knives. Yeah, don't play with <laughs> knives, guys. Just in case you were thinking. All right. Peace. Well, that explains the uh, the message from uh, from Steve at the end there. Don't play with knives. Um, yeah, fantastic list from the both of you. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to piggyback off of what Steve said about the Watchmen series. Oh. I am so glad that Regina King is getting her justice. Like she's getting what she deserves. She's getting the accolades that she deserves. She is a brilliant actor, and she has been. 
ever since she you know stepped foot into the business and people over the past five years or so are finally seeing that and giving her these roles that she was it's almost like she was born to play you know she plays angela abar oh, sister so Knight, good. so effortlessly you know i was uh, totally glued to my television for that series i i loved every second of it i ate it up and i'm kind of i know there's not going to be another one but i'm kind of hoping that there's going to be more but at the same time it's perfect the way it it's ended perfect the way it is but like i i i kind of want more kind of want more so i have to take credit for this because i watched through the watchman series uh because working from home i you know, there was a lot of stuff that I could watch, like Chernobyl and, and this. And I eventually, I was like, you need to watch these shows. And we watched the extended cut of the first movie. It didn't have the Black Freighter stuff, but what we watched the extended cut of the first movie to kind of give her an idea of what was going on. Because uh, Jeremy Irons was amazing in that show. Yes. Um, yeah, the whole thing was... I totally forgot that happened this year. Yeah. 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 It feels like so long ago. Like I didn't even put her on my list because for some reason I thought that was last year. I should have looked it up, but yeah, like I, I fantastic, fantastic list. Uh, I do want to catch up with a couple of comments that happened uh, during uh, while we were talking about pie. First time Mike said mm, pie, but mm, yes, pie is good. Uh, Leo says Witcher is on his list to play after Cyberpunk, and I said I don't recall Bob because he asked if the Dark Crystal series was this year. Um, Colleen uh, threw a bunch of comments up first, saying that uh, Ducktales is a very solid reboot, and she is in love with the uh, personalities they fleshed out for the McDuck family and that David Tennant is a great Uncle Scrooge, and that uh, she always thought Boba Fett was so lame because of how he quote-unquote died in Return of the Jedi and thought it was weird that people loved him so much. But Mandalorian made me flip that opinion, completely absolutely love him. And Leo said uh, they quickly brought him back to life in the comics back in the day. And then Colleen once again said, absolutely, I'm so happy because I can't see... Oh, no, I'm... No, no. That was, uh, I'm so happy because I can't see anyone else in that role. Uh, uh, for Regina. For Regina King, yeah. Um, I do want to throw out, uh, Colleen, if you want to read a really good book, The Mandalorian Armor. Um, that's a great Legends novel. Uh, I was very happy with uh, with that book, uh, and it's all about Boba Fett escaping. Like, long and short of it, like, there's a lot of crazy shit that goes on with all these other bounty hunters, but long and short of it is, like, he gets rescued by Dengar and then becomes... Uh, uh, best man in Dengar's wedding. Um, it's really weird. It's really weird. Uh, Dan also uh, threw out, he wanted to say that one of his highlights of his year was starting uh, the loudest sports show with uh, me and Emma and Ashes and our brother Dave. So uh, he was excited about that. And uh, Bob, I know you'll appreciate this. He wanted to throw out at uh, rest in peace to Brody Lee. Mm. Emma actually, uh, Emma was devastated and mm -hmm. cried her eyes out when she found out because she loves Brody Lee. I, I don't know if I have any tears left after this week. Especially after everything I saw and heard of with the uh, the tribute that they did to him on, uh, did for him on uh, AEW the other day. I almost called it A&W. AEW <laughs> the other day. Different, different There's guy. a promotion I'd watch. 
<laughs> they threw him in a big thing of root beer. He made a Brody float. Ugh. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. But um, he wanted to add that in there. So, a- Ashes, we haven't heard anything from you yet, and I know you have a couple of lists. Uh, I want to before we get to the top. I get to talk on my own show. Well, I've been waiting for you to interject. I keep eating sushi, waiting for you to say something. I'm just eating sushi and enjoying the show. The champagne's great. It's flowing. I'm happy. I'm having a good time. That's not a bad night. Our guests have been giving out some great answers to our top five characters of this year. Like, I'm just kind of living in the moment. It's been fun. I see people. I see faces. I'm talking to people oh. right now and not just you, Patsy. I'm a people. This is amazing. And you're like not people be. that I work with. I like you guys. <laughs> like, this is amazing. I'm having a really good time. Thanks for coming. Well, and all the people watching and all the people who are going to be listening after the fact, like, thank you. I love you all. I am like at that really happy place right now. I've been drinking some sparkly stuff. I am feeling pretty good. Let's talk. Let's have yeah, conversations. Yeah, so give me give me some of your so, uh, some of your lists. If you've listened to our show throughout this past year, you know that we've been doing this thing called Ashes First Time Watches. Mm-hmm. So it's films that I probably should have seen by now, and I haven't. And so I watch, you know, Patsy gets me to watch these films, and I fall in love with some of these characters, and I say, oh, my God, we have to cover these characters on the show. So I looked back at some of my first-time watches this past year. Now, these aren't things that came out this year. However, there are they, these are things that I watched for the first time this year. So top five, Ashes, first-time watches in 2020. Number five is Snatch. I loved Snatch so much. Brad Pitt. Oh my God. Feeling dunks. Feeling dunks. I I just I couldn't get over him. I I Bob's mind was in the gutter. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Turn that into a promo. I like Snatch. Um <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, the film was great. I, I thought the whole premise of it was cool. Um, I want to watch more of Guy Ritchie's stuff. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, number four is The Blues Brothers. I'm so surprised that I had never seen it. I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass for not have seen it, seeing it before now. But I feel like if I had watched it before, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I did when... We watched it when we watched it this year. Yeah, we watched it just um, a few weeks ago. You know, uh, like Leo was saying, watching something that kind of reminded him of his dad. So my dad has also passed. Uh, he passed 14, 14 years, ago. years ago. Oh, God. It's, some days it feels like yesterday, and some days it feels like 100 years ago. Um, but he was a huge fan of some of these, you know, comedies from the 80s. And, and I couldn't appreciate it. I thought they were stupid when I was, you know, growing up and stuff. They just didn't appeal to me. And now I'm kind of going back and revisiting things that I know he watched and I know he would, like, that, that he loved. And it's kind of like getting a piece of him back a little bit. So the Bruce, Blues Brothers was that for me. And, I mean, uh, Dan Aykroyd. Blue are just fantastic, but Carrie Fisher in yeah. that film. Oh, just- Jake. 
<laughs> you know, you, you don't find out her MO until the end. And, you know, uh, the scene where she's in the, the the parlor, the hair salon, and she's flipping through this. Curl up and die. Yeah, curl up and die. <laughs> flipping through this, you know, how-to flamethrower. It's a, it's a, a military mm-hmm. instruction manual. And, and then next time you see her, she has a flamethrower. And she's trying to kill these two. Like I just, I just thought. Yeah, she, she blows crazy. up the propane like, tank. There's got to be seven dollars and change here. Yeah, it, it was just <laughs> and and the, I was just the the chemistry between everyone and having these classic artists, you know, do these roles and sing and perform. I just thought that was fantastic. So that's my number four. I do. Uh, before you get to that, I do want to just say, uh, I stand by my stance that there was no reason for Al Franken to be in blackface. I mean, yeah. So number three is V for Vendetta. I watched that for the first time this year. And I know that is a film that a lot of people revisit on a specific day. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I see no reason the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Right. Guy Fox Day. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Hugo Weaving. Oh, my God. Like, I, I was just blown away. And you never see his face. He's in this mask the entire time, but yet he emotes so much with just his mannerisms and his, you know, vocal like diction and uh, cadences and stuff. Like it's just it, it it was fantastic. I was really and we watched it at a time where there was a lot of turmoil going on here, and you know, being able to kind of feel really feel empathy for these characters and what they were going through. Especially Stephen Fry. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was fantastic. My number two film was Galaxy Quest. I watched that for the first time and I loved it so much. It's almost like a love letter, an homage to sci-fi conventions and fans and not being able to have that experience this past year going to different conventions and you know not only not being able to have the fan experience but not being able to have the vendor experience as well being able to connect with people on a on a different type of 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 level you know um it was really cool to see this film and god the cast yeah the cast is amazing. By like, Grandpa's hammer, water savings. Right? I, I just, I was blown. Like, you got that person, and you got that person, and you got that person. And, like, I didn't even mind that Tim Allen was in it. You know? Like, it, it just, everything Tim Allen was great. He was Shatner. It, it worked. It, it, you know, yeah. It, but, like, it worked. Everything worked. And, you know. It, also, it, what did we watch? In conjunction with Galaxy Quest, we watched the um, documentary that Never we Surrender. Yeah, which is a very uh, another awesome documentary, by the way. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just so cool. It kind of made you feel good, and you know the the aliens I thought were fantastic as well. We need your help. Yeah, the the way like they <laughs> spoke, like how they spoke and the way they said things, I just thought was fantastic. I, I loved it. Tony so, like, Shaloub. Yes, Tony. Oh God, Tony <laughs> Shaloub. Uh, yeah. A very young Justin Long. 
Oh, Colleen says also need to see Galaxy Quest. Yeah. It's, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is Ocho says looking sexy, PJ. That's the important thing. That's the important thing. <laughs> you know it, Ocho. Oh, God. Um, Ocho and I are like godparents to the little green baby babushka. Ocho sent us a care package earlier this year with a little Yoda baby in it. Yes, and, he, and, and it's a little uh, little baby that makes the sounds, like the cooing and the little babble and stuff. Ours is weird though, because he's all like "wimmy wham wham wazzle." No, like, that's that that's that's Slurms McKenzie, the original, the original party worm. Um, first time Mike says, "I totally miss the conventions, being with my fellow gaming geeks." Oh yeah, God. like it, it sucks, yeah. and anytime you can kind of watch something to, you know grab like hold on to a little bit of that feeling it's super cool um and my number one so it's not one film it's three i watched the lord of the rings trilogy for the first time this year i actually did it for patrick's birthday question and was it the regular cut or the extended cut? extended the extended version i had never seen the extended version it was a total. I, I sacrificed a weekend. I mean, not like I had much. It was else my birthday going weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, the entire yeah, weekend was spent watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I live tweeted it for those of you who follow the hashtag uh, Frodo and Franzia, um, and it was. I was blown away. I'm not really a fantasy person. Game of Thrones kind of changed that a little bit for me. Uh, my only gripe with Tolkien is that there's not enough incest. Aside from that, aside from that, I thought the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy was just so well done. Samwise Gamgee is one of the most perfect characters I've ever seen in my life. Stand by your Sam. He's so precious. I just want to protect precious. him at all costs. Yes, that kind of precious. Uh, you know, their love potatoes. I, I felt potatoes. That. I felt that deep in my soul. I just, I really. There was a. Uh... I don't think again, kind of like Blues Brothers. If I had seen these films earlier in my life, I wouldn't have appreciated them as much as, as I did when I saw them. When I saw them, everybody does need a Sam. Yes. Yeah. Colleen says, "Good job." The extended versions are the only way to watch those films, and everybody needs a Sam. I will point out uh, there was a thing going around, and I participated in this repeatedly today. Uh, take a Lord of the Rings quote and add bro to the end of it oh god so it was like what's taters precious bro uh and <laughs> you shall not pass bro <laughs> not I mean, idly like, to the leaves of Lorien fall bro yeah you know, i mean talk about a great <laughs> and you pass. have my bro <laughs> taking the hobbits isengard bro <laughs> But like these were so good, they were so well done, and I kind of had to keep reminding myself that this was the early two thousands ish when they came out. You know, at the time, the CGI was really cutting edge, and I think it still holds up for the most part. It do, you know. But I mean, some of the battle scenes are just epic. I want to. I want to. Epic. The computer program that they used to Ill to uh, animate the Battle of Helm's Deep was called Massive. And it was so good that some of the human characters saw the odds 
and turned and ran. That's how good the AI was. They abandoned the battle <laughs> instead of fighting. So they had to dumb down the AI for some of the characters wow. so they would go and fight. It was like when I heard that, it was like one of those like behind the scenes or making of type things. And I was like, that's the greatest thing I ever heard. Like the AI was too good. It's like, oh shit, we're gonna we're gonna die. Oh, Colleen says the same thing. Lot idly do the leaves of Lorien fall, bro. Um, <laughs> I wasn't dropping no eaves, bro. <laughs> yeah, I thought, and and I actually I, I watched the Hobbit trilogy for the first time a couple weeks ago. I didn't enjoy it as much. I'm I, going I, on an adventure. I had more. Who's the, who? Who plays Bilbo? Martin Short. No. Martin Freeman. <laughs> Martin Freeman, not Martin Short. I'd watch that. <laughs> she did that so often. She's like, oh, Martin Short and Dumbledore. I can't believe. Wait, no. <laughs> I'm <Ugh>. learning. <laughs> so the three amigos go on an adventure? No, to be fair, we had just watched Inner Space a few days earlier. Oh, nice. This is true. I'm possessed. That was another. I forgot about that. That was another good one. Yeah, he was great in that. Yeah, I could have been on your list. So, is that your whole list? Your uh. But yeah, that's five. Okay, top five. All right, so you guys, let's get your number ones because we got a uh, we we have a bunch of uh, feedback we got to get to as well. All right, so Bob, let's, yep. let's go with you. So when the shutdown first went down, like around uh, March. Uh, I decided to finally like turn on Hulu and get into the show that a lot of my friends have been telling me about, especially my Canadian friends. And that is a show that revolves around this small town in Canada called Letterkenny. Which, oh my God, the writing of this show is phenomenal. Yes. And Jared Kiso, is Kelso, whatever. Uh, Kiso. He, yeah. He played. Uh, the jump commander in 2014's Godzilla when the guys were getting ready to jump out of a plane, but he's like fully bearded and like loaded up with army regalia. I will say uh, I do enjoy that show with the exception of the fart book episode. Yeah. Everyone told me that just get past that and you're good. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, that, a, that show is amazing. What's what's the the sister's name? I'm a fan. Kit, uh, K Katie, I think it's Katie. Put some clothes on, Katie. Not my forte. Unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah from all the characters like uh, Wayne and uh, uh, Squirrely Dan, just like the, the the commentary between those three characters, usually four with Caddy, Katie. Um, just just the the way they bounce off. The, the dialogue it's just it, it can make your head spin sometimes that's Have what you... i appreciate about you <laughs> that the only thing you appreciate takes about 20 percent off the top there dan uh the the guy who plays squirrely dan does this amazing stand-up routine about being canadian and coming to the states and finding out about all the different types of captain crunch that we have and he does this hilarious thing about uh, the oops all crunch berries. Yeah, it's 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 really funny. 
He's like, in Canada, we call it Capitan Cruise. <laughs> but guys, I've I've got to take off. I got uh, you know, families calling for me. But guys, I just wanted to sign off with that. Say happy new year to everybody. Patsy Ashes. Good to see you guys. Leo, good to talk to you. Hey, nice meeting you. It, I hope uh 2021 is a lot better than the 2020 we've had. So, guys, good luck out there. That is for sure. Thanks. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you, we Skipper appreciate Bob. It. No Be problem. Safe, make good choices. We'll no see promises. You next year. Play yeah. with knives. <laughs> yep, Daily. Play with knives. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Thank okay. you. Uh, awesome. So, Leo, before we get to your number one, yes, uh, we're gonna listen. We're gonna talk about our good buddy, old man Wade, and give his list. Because he tried sending it to me in a Google Doc, and for whatever reason, it just did not work. So I'm going to read his list. And his list starts off with the Powers Homicide Detectives, uh, Dina Pilgrim. I love strong women who don't give a flying fuck. Dina Pilgrim is a perfect example of this. In a world of superpowered crime, Dina Pilgrim and her partner, Christian Walker, solve some of the most bizarre cases. What separates her from other detectives uh, is... Dina doesn't get scared easily because someone can topple. doesn't get scared easily because someone can topple a building with their fist. She continues to talk her shit and close cases regardless of who and what's in front of her. Trust me when I tell you, there have been more than a few occasions where she could have been killed by the beings she was going up against and cursing out. That also adds uh, Christian Walker. Christian Walker is one of the most honorable men in any comic book, a guy who used to be one of the premier superheroes in the world, suddenly lost his powers. It's explained well in the series. After losing his abilities, he becomes a detective on the superpower beat. He isn't bitter or violent because of it. And as tough as he is, he makes my list because he's kind. His partner has done him wrong, yet he consistently forgives her. Sure, he has to eat crow, but he understands that no one is perfect. He's also helping raise a young woman despite not having to. He's just a terrific human being. Uh, next is Why the Last Man, or three, 355 Why the Last Man. Uh, this I am unfamiliar with. Said another strong woman I fell in love with, 355, was charged with protecting the last human male on Earth until Dr. Mann found a way to restart the Y chromosome. 355 was by his side. It's bad enough that everyone wanted to kill... Oh, I keep hitting buttons... Uh, it's bad enough that everyone wanted to kill or torture him. Yorick, the last male, was irresponsible and kept almost getting killed. Despite that, 355 found a way to overcome every obstacle in front of her. And uh, she's rarely, she's been outnumbered, outgunned, but rarely outsmarted. She's one of the best characters in all of comic books. Her ending still brings tears to my eyes. Uh, are you familiar at all with the, with that character, Leo? I am not. Uh, sounds like Colleen is, though. Colleen, love Why the Last Man, one of my favorite comic stories. Now, you might have noticed uh, Ashes bouncing out of the room a moment ago. Uh, That's because I just heard a cork pop, so uh, I know uh, know what she's doing. (laughs) Oh, here she comes. Oh, this is that fancy stuff that you got the other day because you got a ton of work that you weren't supposed to get. Yes, so I don't mean to interrupt. No, 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 please. This is a Spanish cava. So again, from my boss for Christmas, uh, because we talk about the boozes and libations. Yeah, so this is Gran Campo Viejo Cava. So it is a sparkling wine bottled, fermented in the traditional method. And it is from Spain. Let's see if it tells me exactly... 
Well, it's it's imported by Pernod Ricard, USA, New York, New York, uh, which happens to a lot of uh, imported wines. So it'll be imported by a U.S. company, but it is from Villa of oh, San Sebastian, Spain. So yeah, pretty cool. Bye, bye, San Sebastian. Yeah, no, no. Wait, no. Your, your five thousand candles in the wind. I talked about. I want my song to be a th five thousand times better than "Candle in the Wind." Your five thousand candles in the wind. <laughs> um, I will take some more libation as well. So let's uh, finish the last two on uh, on this list. And one of these characters is one that I am dying to find out more about. Uh, number two, Daredevil. This one may be cheating. I've known about Daredevil and who he was for years. This year, I spent a good two months truly diving into the character. I started with his late 1990s comics and kept reading until I was up to date. I learned that he's a character I'll love forever. His battle with depression was explained in such a way that it hit me in the soul. I'm happy to say that I'm now a fan. And uh, that's a good segue into our guest that we're having on Tuesday. Because our show is almost over and I want to make sure we get to that. Mm -hmm. uh, so for folks who don't know, I consider this gentleman a member of the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. Because in a movie uh, from the late 80s, possibly early 90s, I'd have to look it up. Uh, he played the kingpin in The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. He also played the genie in a, uh, an animated version of Aladdin that was clearly not the Disney version, but came out around the same time. That's probably not where you know him from. You might know him from a the little second series. second Princess Diaries. Or a little series of films we talked about a little earlier. The Lord of the Rings. We are interviewing John Reese davies who played Gimli in The Lord of the Rings, and they played Sala in Indiana Jones. Uh, that gentleman is joining us on Tuesday, and that episode is going to drop next Thursday on YouTube and on uh, uh, all the uh, podcast locations. So it's really cool. He has a film that, uh, one of his first films, I believe. Yeah, uh, definitely the, the first film of uh, George Clooney, Laura Dern, and uh, Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a film from very early on in his career is getting a release. And we've seen that a lot over this past year. Films that were filmed 20, 30 years ago, finally getting the proper release. So this will be, it'll be an interesting conversation None none the least and and i'm i'm again i'm speechless i don't know what to say i'm gonna have to get my shit together before tuesday because i don't know i don't know i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna just get just completely like freeze up and you know well uh before we finish uh first time mike says uh hey guys and gals i have to go get ready for some discord and online happy new year's eve visiting and activity so i bid you all good night and the best 20 the best in 2021 big hugs right back at you buddy uh we love you Take care of yourself, and uh, hopefully we get to see you at a con next year. Mm. Totally. So for uh, Old Man Wade's number one character, and again, this is a character I need I need to learn more about. 
because unlike uh, myself, I am a big Star Wars guy, but according to Old Man Wade, I am not a huge Star Wars guy. However, I'm a fan of Dr. Aphra. She's one of the most original characters in their universe. She's not like any of the main characters with morals and such. Dr. Aphra only cares about herself. Every so often, she'll do something honorable. However, even her good deeds are for selfish reasons, so they cancel each other out. Maybe the most impressive thing is her relationship with Darth Vader. She's, ooh, pardon me, a lot of bubbly. She's smart and resourceful that even he used her. He's, she's so smart and resourceful that even he used her for what she can do. I can't wait until she ends up on a Disney Plus show. She's funny, smart, witty, and just all around awesome. Dr. Aphra is, a, I believe, a comic series. And uh, she looks like she doesn't give a fuck. Like, I've seen a couple of things, and she just looks like she doesn't care. She just wants to do her work, and she's, like, this badass scientist and uh, definitely a character I want to I wanna check out. So we have a few more, uh, few more folks. So, Leo, I'll let you do your, uh, your number one, and then we can let you uh, head on out. Okay. So you can uh, spend some time with uh, the wife and the puppy. Sounds good. Uh, well, this is going to be no surprise to anybody, but my number one character of the year is definitely Baby Yoda. <laughs> uh, it, you know, and I mean, the whole series it, itself, you know, just so much love for like an animatronic creature. You know, they, they really did a great job on them. And it's... Uh, just a whole series, you know, I watching the, the finale, uh, I felt like a kid again, you know, and, you know, uh, and I've said this on our other show, like tears rolling down my face. I know everybody was the same, but it was just, you know, so much love for, for this character and, you know, his co-stars, you know, uh, in that video, uh, uh, ashes, did you post that video of the, uh, Grogu, uh, with Robert uh, Rodriguez, yeah, dancing it. I didn't know that wasn't me, but I did oh, okay. enjoy that video very yeah. much. Oh my god, that was awesome! It makes it, you know, the way that uh, the other actors involved in the Mandalorian, the way that the people on set uh, speak about him, the way that the other actors refer to him, the way that uh, you know. It, the directors, you know, because each episode has a different director, yeah. the way that the directors refer to this, this, this animatronic character is so lifelike. Like didn't uh, Werner Herzog. I would like to see the wanted, baby. Yeah. Like he <laughs> had really no, uh, you know, he, he didn't know the impact that this character was going to have. He, he's not until really he Star looked Wars, at him. He, he's not really a Star Wars person. Uh, or doesn't know much of the, the lore of like the expanded universe and stuff. But when he looked like the interactions that he had with this animatronic puppet, because it was so lifelike, it made him feel things. He said that there were times when, you know, he was just you know being an actor and delivering his lines and doing what he was supposed to do where he went and he cried after because he just, he felt pure human emotion for this little green thing. The, and like, I get it. <laughs> the best thing he said to Filoni and Favreau, because they were like, oh, we're thinking of like, you know, using CGI. He's like, don't be a coward. 
<laughs> uh, Colleen says, my two-year-old son Odin walks around with his baby Yoda and calls him his baby and feeds and sleeps with him like most kids do a baby doll. But it's such a great show and connects so many generations from adults to teens oh. to kids. It's great. And I will say, you know, obviously baby Yoda is a character that came out last year, but you found out so much more, so much more of his backstory was revealed so much more of his personality. Like I, he doesn't speak, but you got to see more of his personality and well, his he, he inner was definitely more vocal working. this season. Oh, totally. You got to hear more of his, his, you know, babble. And uh, it's almost like he was trying to say words at times. And yeah. I, I, you know, similar to how a toddler tries to, you know, express themselves vocally. And I thought that was adorable. And, you know, um, Patsy pointed out to me that in some of the episodes uh, when Din Djarin, you know, the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal, is holding the baby, like the baby has like a hold of his thumb or a hold of one of his fingers. Like, and it's those little things, those little isms that they have this animatronic puppet do that just makes it so lifelike and so endearing. I, I just, I, I can't get over it. I mean, you know, you and I, Leo, we, we, we love our son. It's a mutual love for right. this little baby puppet, <laughs> this little green well, thing. And I don't know, like, I just, I, when I see a baby, I don't feel anything. I don't feel any type of like human emotion at yeah. all. But when I see this little thing on screen, like I just, my heart bursts. Like yeah. you see like that. I just see like my, my heart just goes, you know, like I just, she I makes just, that I sound every time he comes on screen. Something, something is there and I can't explain it, but it's just, it's just there. It's something. So, uh, my wife thinks his eyes are creepy. Um, she is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, last season or the first season, you know, it was more of uh, Jen is, you know, protecting him. And this mm -hmm. season, you know, there was a lot more growth and it was more him becoming a father figure. Um, and just those two together, you know, um, just, yeah, it was just so much emotion this year and just the, the, so much growth with the character and it's just i know it's a little yeah. animatronic thing but it's just it, it's yeah it, it really melts the heart when you you know he's going to get up to some sort of antics in every episode yep. so you kind of look forward to like what is he going to do today like what is he going to eat now what is he going to steal whose babies is he going what what species is he going to try to wipe off the <laughs> off the galaxy <laughs> But that's so on par with the Yoda species. I know some people what? took, uh, they, yes, they, they, they didn't take too kindly to, you know, the whole of Yoda eating the, the eggs and so uh, baby Yoda eating the eggs and stuff. But, you know, it's very on par with the behavior of that species. Yeah, but so also now we it. know, like in Empire Strikes Back, you know, the planet was probably very glad that, you know, uh, well, actually, no, he didn't leave, but Yoda was like top of the food chain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, it, exactly. Like my point exactly. So it's, it's very, you know, him doing that. Like, and he's just a baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, he well, it's either Yoda, Yoda or whatever he's partially no. ate R2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Colleen 
jumped, uh, uh, dumped a couple of comments in here. Uh, first saying, those are the little motions that babies and toddlers do to give parents our extra daily dose of oxytocin. Touching stuff with a baby like that does it. And then she said it was super on par with kids in general. They eat what they want, put everything in their mouths and love uh, the most to do with what we specific. They love to do most what we specifically tell them not to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, mm -hmm. that's what kids do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in and, and that, that last episode, oh, my goodness, I don't want to give too much away. Because you know it's still pretty, pretty new, pretty fresh. And yeah, I, I don't want to ruin it. Haven't had the opportunity to to watch it, but like that that last episode. Uh, oh my god, it was just Niagara Falls. Niagara <laughs> Falls, Frankie Angel. Um, with with the actions between the Mandalorian and Grogu, and and those those interactions and stuff. I his was friends just, call him Groggy. Groggy, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's it. That I am, I am on board with your number one, Leo. <laughs> Why, thank you. Why, thank you. <laughs> um, we also have a message from Colleen saying, and he doesn't have any thought otherwise as to the consequences of his actions. But I mm -hmm. thought it was great how the frog lady showed him how the eggs became babies, yeah, because he was trying to eat those giant spider eggs, too. Yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah give like, a like fuck. he just, he just say, Hey, this is food, and I'm hungry, like, like you know. In, kids do she said absolutely the most emotional scene i've seen in a long time right like, uh, oh, ask, ask her we were on opposite ends of the couch with our arms outstretched holding hands we, yeah like we just kind of like reach for each other like, at the same time like oh and i have tears in my, my eyes my god when the when the raid i'll just say this without spoiling when the radar went off and they saw what was coming at them he knew I was he like, knew. <gasps> he knew i knew and i told leo it was going to happen two weeks ago two weeks yeah. before oh yeah well, Leo, I, I want to thank you for joining us and spending pretty much the whole time with us. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, you got to you got to meet Bob. You got to meet uh, Dan and Emma. Uh, Emma, I think, stole the show. I mean, she always does. She does. She always does. But we still have uh, a little bit more to go. We still have our top five lists. But uh, you've been hanging out here for two hours, and uh, I know that uh, Megan and Riley probably miss you. And uh, you know, you need to drink more champagne and. Uh, yeah, I'm drinking water, but I'll probably have coffee or something too. <laughs> De Deadly grounds coffee. Deadly grounds coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I just put in an order today. Got six bags. Awesome. Uh, I was gonna say um, I added some stuff on Plex, so you might want to check it out. All right. Ooh. Take a look. Something, something called Pixie that looks really good. Oh. Uh, Alec Baldwin's in it. It has okay. a uh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels type of feel. Wow. At least from the commercial. It looks pretty good. Interesting. Yeah, I'll check it out. Okay. Well, I will let you guys enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much uh, for uh, bringing me on. No, no, absolutely. Leo, you are the best. Aww. I miss you, Leo. I miss Same your well, Leo gives good hugs. Yes, he, Leo gives like the best hugs ever. Yeah, I think hugs are gone now with with No, not they're just, oh, just they're hibernating. Just, yeah, hibernating. that's a good word. They've hibernating. flown south for the winter. They'll be back. They're in New Zealand. They'll be back. And uh Colleen says, Happy New Year, Leo. We love Aww. you. Thank you, Colleen. You do so much for everyone. You do so much for the network. It's a labor of love and we appreciate you. Oh, I thank Absolutely. You. So happy new year to happy you. Year. Cheers to Leo. Cheers to Leo. 
Uh, and Megan and Riley, who's like one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen in my life. Yes, oh my is. God. More <laughs> uh, puppy pictures, please. Oh, yeah. Megan's going to be posting some. She was yeah, trying Riley's to get uh, glasses on Riley, but she, uh, she got a uh, New Year's crown on her. So, uh, oh, cute. Yeah. Uh, I do want to. Uh, just say one thing before I leave uh, 2021 definitely want to work on growing the network. So we're going to be looking for new shows to join. So uh, everybody listening, you know, if you have a podcast out there or you're looking to start a show, hit me up. Uh, but we're definitely going to be looking on growing the family in 2021 and got some cool stuff in the works. And uh, yeah, with that, I, I thank you guys so much and I'll let you get going. All right. Have a good night, Leo. You too. All right. So. Yeah, the the Dorkening family is a really fun, dysfunctional family to be a part of. We've got thirty <laughs> shows right now, and yeah, I think I'm on five of them. You're on a lot, <laughs> I'm you know, on a lot of them. with you know potentially some other stuff in the works. So yes, yeah. so let's uh, let's get into. Uh, we have a couple more folks. So we have another voicemail and another. Uh, we have two. We have a video. It looks like. Well, let's let's check this out. No, it's uh it's audio. Did that Throwdown Thursday? Happy New Year. Um, I did do a top ten. Um, and uh, but I'll bang through it fast. Uh, number ten, the TikTok man from Brian Keane's The Complex. Uh, the Complex is uh, a siege film on book on on paper uh very quick very brilliant um it's about one day this apartment complex is besieged by an army of naked insane people and they seem to be led by a giant king Kong bundy size uh naked man with a hello kitty tattoo on his right <laughs> back, uh named the tiktok man named that because his head moves back and forth um Number nine is a character who I could see eventually becoming one of my favorite characters of all time. It's Croker, uh, the doctor from the book Black Company. Black Company is a series of books about uh, mercenaries in a fantasy realm. Um, it's dark fantasy and um, fantasy and a bit of military stuff added in. And Croker is the organization's um, historian and their doctor. Um, next up is another villain, Wong Po, uh, played by uh, Sammo Hung. Uh, he is the crime boss from Killzone. Um, he's basically a kung fu version of the king. Well, I guess the kingpin is a kung fu version of the kingpin. He's basically <laughs> the kingpin. Uh, and if you've never seen Killzone, it's one of the greatest action movies ever. Speaking of great action movies, a film from this year uh, is Avengement. Uh, and the main character, played by Scott Atkins, is named Kane Burgess. And uh, Benjamin is awesome. Kane is uh, thrown in jail, uh, left out to dry by his family. And uh, he shows up and holds um, his brother and his gang hostage in their uh, pub hideout. So it's, a, it's a kind of a different action movie, but it's awesome. Number six uh, is The Killer from 1997. That's his name, The Killer. Uh, this is a uh, American movie but it's like uh, done by Hong Kong choreographers. It's really, really good. Uh, it's on the YouTubes right now, so I recommend that the killer is like kind of a shadow-like character mm. who has uh, metal fingers that he uses to poke into people. Uh, next up <laughs> is uh, Miles Long. He is a police officer slash master vigilante uh, slash uh, total incompetent hero in the ultra-low-budget um, 
actioner parole violators. I fucking love this movie. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a great movie. Uh, you guys, um, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Um, next up is not a tie because they're interchangeable. It's two kung fu doing Canadian curly mullet having porno <laughs> mustache action heroes named Michael and Martin McDonough who play the leads in the film Twin Dragon Encounter. Their names are, are you ready? Michael and Martin. And they are amazing. <laughs> they fight a, uh, they run afoul a group of uh, war game punk rock. Uh, basically, it's a group of uh, civilians, kind of like a militia doing war games, but most of them look like they're out of like, Mad Max. It's ridiculous. Um, next up is uh, Bo-Katan. Um, I watched all of Clone Wars this year, um, and I thought she was a badass, um, or as we call her around here, a space on a matrix. Um, she's uh, pretty That's cool, fair. Uh, and um, her arc is really interesting because she kind of seems almost villainous at first, mercenary, um, but really, you know, her heart, uh, she'd do just about anything to uh, regain the throne of Mandalore, so I love her. Number two is a bit of a cheat. Um, because I watched it at the very end of last year, but I've watched it uh, twice this holiday season, and I figured it was appropriate because it was a holiday one. Um, but it's the character's name is Thomas from the film uh, Deadly Games, which is a French slasher Christmas film, um, which came out before Home Alone. In fact, the director sued uh, Chris Columbus and John Hughes uh, because he thought his film was similar. Um, this doesn't have wet bandits, um, it has a giant, uh, psychotic killer Santa, um, with, um, seemingly pedophile tendencies, um, and, uh, he, if Thomas is lucky, he's going to kill him, uh, if he's unlucky, he's gonna, he's gonna be dead. But anyway, uh, Wet ass bandits. You know, I won't, it's like Home Alone, a little more high tech though. Um, Thomas is fucking badass. He I'm in. Dresses like Rambo. He's got the best mullet around. I'm uh, in. Check it out. And uh, not much to say about number one, uh, except uh, Ahsoka Tan is my favorite Star Wars mm-hmm. character, and I didn't really know too much about her at the beginning of this year uh, when we started to tear into Blanca. So, um, yeah. I, I really think she's the best Star Wars character. Um, the hindsight that they were able to have to inter- like kind of interject her into the history of the Star Wars universe and, uh, you know, the betrayal and the dichotomy mm. being trained by, um, you know, imagine if your sensei was basically, you know, turned out to be Hitler, right? Or, you know, turned out to be Hitler or something like that. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's my list. Uh, happy New Year to it on Thursday. Um, Patrick, you're a rock star. Um, Ashes, if you ever get sick of rock stars, um, oh, wait a minute. God damn it. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Dynamo Mars. I uh, I didn't realize how fast that was going to play. I didn't have a chance to play him in. But uh, that was our, our, our very good friend, Mr. Dynamo Mars, who is uh, near and dear to us and we love very deeply. Um, he is... Uh, Again, he's he's uh, one of the reasons that we even have this show. True story. Uh, yeah, he's a great dude. Uh, he got me my start in podcasting by getting me on uh, episode sixty-eight of the Trick or Treat Radio Show. Uh, all the boys love Larry Fine. 
Uh, and uh, Dynamo has actually uh, helped. Uh, he put together the uh, VHS Nightmares mm-hmm. um, anthology that uh, I was a part of. One of three things that released, uh, you know, this year that I was a part of, along with More Lower from the Mythos. And of course, how much do you tip an exorcist? That is the first time that I've accurately pointed at something behind me. <laughs> Normally, I was like, like I'd be like, Hooray! yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that thing that's right behind me. There it is. No, no, this is the first you time. You did the right thing. There. You pointed at no, the that's thing. What... <laughs> thing. The thing, the thing. I pointed at the book behind me for those of you who are listening to the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely appreciate Dynamo taking the time. Um, so we have a couple more. Um, we have we one just more got a, a, a message from the 13th Wolfman, Wolfie, oh, PJ and Ashes. I hope you have a happiest of New Year's. May the next year be your happiest and merry of all from the 13th Wolfman, Wolfie. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was That's so sweet. I hope your year is fantastic. Check out his YouTube channel. He goes through all these uh, old movies. Uh, his 31 Days of Halloween was fantastic. Mm. And not only that, he goes to dollar stores. And he grab, like gets like the horror that is available on, on DVD, on Blu-ray, and dollar stores and checks those out, which is really interesting because sometimes it's you know a, a lot of um, unknown stuff, or I should say unknown to the general audience. So Even to him, he finds stuff that he's never seen before, but he recognizes that directors or actors or, or, or whomever. And uh, yeah, Wolfie's a good dude. Uh, definitely check out his, uh, his YouTube channel, The 13th Wolfman. Um, let's see who, so we have, uh, we have James who was on earlier, but, uh, in the middle of chatting with us, his, his, uh, his laptop, laptop died. died. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why he was in the, the, the dark void. Yeah. Uh, oh, that sucks. So Sorry, guy. That's we're gonna, we're gonna run through. He just gave us quick, uh, quick. Little just, synopsis. Yeah, little quick brief, little, little person blurbs. and where and the, the character and what they're from, uh, really quick. Because uh, I, I, I imagine he was going to expand upon that a bit on <laughs> on the show with us. Uh, but first is Death from Bill and Ted Face the Music, played by mm. the incomparable William Sadler, who played Death in the second one as well. Uh, yeah, that film came at, uh, like a lot of things that happened this year, at exactly the right time. Now, I believe you visited those films for the first time. Yes, and we'll find that out on one of my lists. And you enjoyed them. This, These are films that I grew up with, you know, uh, Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey, you know, Bill and Ted. I, I've... I've revisited them quite often so the fact that we get another film this year of all years was just so perfect and the way that you know this third film kind of it was it was so wholesome and so good and just kind of for me personally everything that I needed at that moment you know just like a little bit of reassurance and you know it, it did a really good it tied in everything that had happened with the future. Yeah. It really, it worked really well. Like I'm trying not to give things away because it came out this year and maybe not everyone has had the opportunity. There was a character that uh, was in it that I, uh, after seeing the first two, because we watched the first two and did the podcast right before 
the third one came out. Correct. And so I had, you know, it, it was fresh in my mind, and I was like, okay, this character that they're introducing, I bet you this character is this related to this uh, person in this plot point. And I was correct. So I was happy about that. Um, so his next on his list is Johnny Silverhand from uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which we uh, did talk about earlier today, <laughs> um, uh, which is, of course, the uh, main attraction to Cyberpunk 2077, Keanu Reeves. Um, I don't. I haven't played the game, so I don't know exactly how he fits in. But that's uh, number number four for James. Number three is Koten Khan from Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima, which I also haven't played. But I have so many games I need to play. Ghost of Tsushima, I'm waiting on. Uh, Jin Sakai also Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost uh-huh. of Tsushima. Jesus. Uh, and his number one, uh, we mentioned this earlier today, uh, Boba Fett from The Mandalorian, when mm-hmm. he gets his armor back. Mm-hmm. And they were in such a hurry that he had time to uh, repaint it and get it all polished up and looking pretty mm-hmm. because they were in such a rush. Uh, so that's a, that's a good list, solid list. Um, I'm only familiar with uh, a couple of those uh, beyond a passing knowledge. Uh, but we do have... Uh, another voicemail from uh, our good buddy Coop and Sarah. Uh, so let's check that out, see what they have for uh, for their characters. Hi, Patsy and Ashes. This is Justin and Sarah B. As featured on the Hamilton episode. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to give you our top five characters. They may not be the characters from 2020, but characters we found during 2020. And how they impacted us during this crazy year. There's some good stuff. Character. My number one character is 
to the yep. movie where um, Netflix original actually um, they kidnapped, I want to say, right wing political trolls from the internet and they put them in support. It's really out there. Um, there's some tenets in it, but I really think this is one of the better movies ever. Great flick. He does. I don't know, Peter Gallagher. We hope that you guys all had a wonderful 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, uh, Coop and Sarah. Um, Some of my favorite people. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. phenomenal. Uh, I want to just uh, embarrass them a little bit because they sent us a little care package from Disneyland, knowing that we weren't going to get a chance to get down there. Mm -hmm. uh, they sent us a little care package with, uh, they got you some socks, baby Yoda socks, Ooh, sent a couple baby. of uh, some Star Wars pins up to us. Uh, very, very nice. Uh, Coop is always looking out and, and sending stuff to people because he's just a, a quality dude. And Sarah's absolutely phenomenal as well. So, uh, you know, thank you guys for everything that you guys do. Uh, not just for us, but for everybody. Like, you guys do a lot of stuff for a lot of people, and uh, we really appreciate it. I think that's everybody else's lists. So now it's time to get dun, into dun, dun. ours. But uh, I'm going to do a real quick um, 
because I had my top 10 movies of 2020, but as always, I have lots and lots of movies, so I'm going to run through mine real quick. These are in no particular order because I have way too many. Uh, Soul, Anonymous Killers, Birds of Prey, or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh, Underwater, which I really fucking like. Army of One, Fear Farm, Onward, The Hunt, The Old Guard, Project Power, Bill and Ted Face the Music, House Sitter, The Night They Save Siegfried's Brain, uh, The Witches, I did enjoy that, because it's one, and I love Roald Dahl. Uh, Beast Mode, Greenland, Fat Man, and Hamilton. Uh, and I want to throw out the top 10 movies I discovered in 2020 for the first time. Phantom of the Paradise from 1974, 1988 Blob, because uh, I had seen the earlier one uh, from 55, I think. 1967's The Producers, 1981's A History of the World Part 1, 1988's Killer Clowns from Outer Space, 1973's Alabama's Ghost, 1999's The Iron Giant, which, uh, Ashes, you got me that uh, DVD mm -hmm. or Blu-ray, uh, Ghoulies from 1984, 1982's Beastmaster, which we watched with uh, Alex and Jeanette. Mm -hmm, that was fun. We watched that through uh, like Discord. Discord, yes. Yeah. Uh, and Jeanette, as you know, is the artist for How Much Do You Tip an Exorcist? Uh, 1981's Escape from New York, 1982's Basket Case, uh, the short film One Night in an Alley, which is on YouTube, and I fucking recommend watching this. It's so funny. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 1989. I didn't care for the second one as much. Um, Zardoz from 1974, which is probably the... Uh, the best outfit that Sean Connery has ever worn. Uh, the Raid 2 from 2014. And uh, as I alluded to earlier, talking about spaghetti westerns, A Pistol for Ringo and Death Rides a Horse from 1966 and 1967, respectively. And 1978's Invincible Shaolin. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because it played into my top ten characters. So did you do ten or did you do five? I did five with some honorable mention. So you want to run your honorable mentions, and I'll do my 10 through 5? Sure. Go ahead. Well, no, you, you, you do your honorable okay. mentions. So my first honorable mention is from an HBO Max series I recently binge-watched and thought it was fantastic. I know it was met with some trepid reviews, but I, I thought it was really good, and I think... I think there might so it was based on a book. I think there there might be a second season of it. I don't know if there are any more books. I don't know if it's a series or if they're just gonna kind of play off of the story a bit more. But it's Cassie Bowen played by Kaylee Cuoco from The Flight Attendant. Oh yeah, you were just watching that the other day. You were telling uh, yeah. me that you really, it, it really was, enjoyed it. It was really good. I was like, holy shit, she can act. Like, she can really act. And what I thought was fantastic was she read the book, The Flight Attendant. I, I the, the author's name escapes me right now. Um, and mittens. after reading it, it's not Mittens, uh, she immediately talked Chris to her agent. Bojalian to see if Reese Witherspoon had bought the rights to it. Because that tends to be what Reese Witherspoon does. Uh, she was in uh, Little Fires Everywhere, Big Little Lies, which is fantastic. Uh, she reads these books. She wants to be a part of... She says, hey, this book can be a series. Let me talk to my agent. 
let me get the rights and let me option it. So Kaylee Cuoco took it upon herself. She wasn't getting work because people just kind of, you know, wrote her off as this, you know, campy sitcom actress. And she was like, no, 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 no. I can, I can do stuff. Like you just need to, you just need to hire me. I can do it. So she talked to her agent. She got the rights to this book and she optioned it and HBO Max picked it up. That's and her only stipulation way. was that she stars in it. And she was she was a producer. Like, I mean, it, I'm all for a, a girl getting it done. So and I thought it was great. I, I thought it was really suspenseful. I didn't know who done it till about maybe the second to the last episode where everything's kind of started piecing together a, a little bit more. Um, like I said, it was met with, you know, uh, mixed reviews, but I thought it was great. Okay. What's, uh, do you want to do all, all five? And Would then... you want to go back and forth? Hey, I'll go next. Um, I'm going to go, uh, this is a movie that uh, I mentioned that I had just seen this year and I had never, uh, I'd never, I'd never watched before, and I watched both this and the sequel. I'm gonna go with Snake Plissken from Escape from New York. Uh, I thought he was a really cool character. Uh, obviously, Kurt Russell with John Carpenter is just gold. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go uh, Snake Plissken uh, from Escape from New York, uh, 1981, which is the same year that uh, I I came out. So uh, that was my debut year. So. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with that. Uh, I loved Donald Pleasance. I didn't realize he was in it. I didn't realize half the people that went, like Lee Van Cleef, I didn't realize he was in it. Um, all I knew is that he had to rescue the president, and I knew nothing else about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Snake Plissken, Escape from New York. So another honorable mention is from another series, a miniseries of this past year, uh, put out by Netflix. It is Anya Taylor-Joy as Beth Harmon from The Queen's Gambit. That's a good pick. I fell in love. I, I've, I've never been interested in the game of chess at all in my life. And watching this series, I all of a sudden found it intriguing. You know, they had a, this, this way of, of presenting this character and making her lifestyle seem so glamorous. But, but I mean, like, really sad at the same time. There was a lot of layers and depth to, to this character. And Anya Taylor-Joy is one of those actors who I see a lot of potential in. You know, we, we've already seen her in a slew of things, and she's been fantastic. The Vavitch? The, yeah, the Vavitch. Uh, she was also in Split mm-hmm. and Glass. She was also in the New Mutants, which I know, I know, not everyone liked. She was pretty good. I kind of liked it. I didn't hate it. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was entertaining. It did uh, just, it just, yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, and she's been involved in some other projects. I really foresee her as a powerhouse moving forward. She carried this entire, and, and granted, there were. You know, a great supporting cast, but she really carried this entire miniseries on her shoulders. And here's a, effortlessly. And here's a crazy thing about her: there was an article that came out recently where she doesn't think she's pretty enough to be a leading actress, which she's definitely got um, 
an unconventional leading lady look like she's not Margot Robbie or, you know, someone like that. But she's got. But I think that's what works in her favor. Right. She's got like those big expressive eyes, you know, like an Amanda Seyfried or an Olivia Wilde. Um, she, I think she's cute as hell. She has something. Uh, she, it, charisma. She's got it. She, she's. But got beyond it. that, she's she's just talented. Like she's a good actress. Like, like she knows what she's doing, and I foresee great big things from her in the future. I mean, I, I mean, she's, she's a future Academy Award winner. How many times like, have I, we seen, it's like, oh, this girl's super pretty, but she can't act her way out of a paper bag. Like, who cares? You know, like, like, what's the point? Like, I don't, I don't want to watch that. Maybe when I was 14, I was like, oh, look, she's got big boobies. Here's, uh. here's the thing. Pretty girls are a dime a dozen. Like there are pretty girls everywhere. 12 for 10 cents were Cassandra shops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but talent, true talent, that's one in a million. Yeah. Like, it, it's not just, you can't just have a look and be untalented. You have to have a look and, uh, you know, be able to pull off the act. Like, I could care less about your aesthetics. Like, are you a good actor are you able to get into the character well, that well, you're portraying the thing. like you know she's I, I can see her being one of those great character actors one of those actors who really just gets herself involved in these roles and does the research and does what she needs to do in order to get the job done well you know this is a good segue because uh i'm kind of uh i'm gonna go with something that Coop mentioned. Uh, Crystal from The Hunt, played by Betty Gilpin. Again, not your traditional look for a leading lady. And to even piggyback on that, the main uh, female lead from that is Hilary Swank, another woman who is not your traditional like lead actress. Mm-hmm. You know, like she even played uh, uh, a, a trans, not even trans, but boys don't cry. Oh god! The character yeah. that she played in that Bailey. Yeah. Um. Like, but she was so good. Like, I loved the movie. I loved her character. I loved how effortless and how smart she was. Um, I loved the way that she navigated her environment without knowing what was going on. She was able to kind of. Uh, overcome the the uh, obstacles that were put in her path. And Betty Gilpin is a great actor. She really is. I don't know if, if you guys have seen Glow. And I'm I'm I love it. I and I'm seen. really sad that Netflix, you know, because of COVID and everything, really it, they, they canned the final season. So not only were we getting a story cut short already because they were like, hey, we're giving you one more season. So they're like, okay, cool. We can wrap our story up. But then COVID happened and then they, they were like, oh, well, okay, I guess we're just we're just not going to do this anymore. You're not going to get a fourth season. You're not going to be able to play these characters one more time. Um, she, as Liberty Bell, was just fantastic. You know, the fact that she, uh, along with all of the other ladies involved with Glow, 
did all their own stunts, learned the moves, did everything, you know, put 110% of, of themselves into this project. You know, it's just, it, it's really sad to think about what could have been, but at least we have, you know, the other three seasons of Glow. Yeah, and I think her being able to do her own stunts really contributed to her role in The Hunt because oh, yeah. all the fight scenes. Well, and, and I love the kind of twist at the end. You know, where you think you know, they think she's one person, but come to find out she's somebody else and they fucked with the wrong girl. Yep. And uh, that uh, that ended up being very costly to them. So. Um, oh, well. Uh, so who is uh, your your next? So speaking of underestimating badass women. My next honorable mention is the character Brenner, played by Ellen Holman, from Army of One. Well, I'm just going to real quick say Brenner Baker is also on my list, so you take you take the floor on this one. I fell in love with this character. Uh, so on your show, the independent creator spotlight. In, indie creator spotlight, yep. Um, you and Leo had the and, – and Phil from Dark Discussions had the opportunity to – interview some of the people some of the cast involved in army of one which is an independent film uh it has been released i believe it's on amazon prime i think yep, and it's it's on vod as well yeah so it's definitely worth checking out it is so good so good you know we watch a lot of independent films and some are better than others this is one of those films that are better than the others yeah the uh her co-star, who we also had on the show, uh, Matt Passmore. Who played her husband in the film. From The Glades. And uh, if you're a horror fan, you'd know him as the main guy from the most recent Jigsaw film. Yeah. So uh, she, her character is the first female army ranger. And she retires and she's just trying to get away and go on vacation with her husband. And they are met with um, some resistance. Because he gets injured in the line of duty because he's a cop. Right. And everything just kind of escalates from there. And she needs to rely on her wit and her knowledge and everything that she has training. right i would say everything that she has learned from her training and her background in the military to survive it very and, much has a rambo first blood vibe to it well it does and and it just kind of shows that you know when when human instinct kicks in it can be deadly you know fight or flight is a real thing and people who know what they're doing like it's a it's a killer combination it really is and she it, one of the things that i loved about this was that the fight scenes were believable because you know she is she's fighting off all of these intruders all of these she's in she's infiltrating the group that was responsible for her husband's death and you know she's trying to hold her own and make it out alive while you know making them pay they shot for, her but they didn't double tap you know, which always, always double tap. You know this if you've watched zombie films. In always. the head and not the chest. Headshots head are, are the, the very best. best. Yes. Um, so the way she was able to 
survive and kind of thrive in this environment is it's almost unsettling but it's it's so exhilarating at the same time and you know uh ellen holman you know she and she's actually going to be in the fourth matrix film yep she's well that's what i was going to touch on with her fighting skills like her husband was the stunt coordinator for this film and mad max fury road he worked on that he's worked on a bunch of big budget films so she's, you know, they've trained together. They know how to fight. They know how to uh, stage believable fight scenes. She's had fight scenes with uh, Jessica Hunwick, who you would know if you watched the Daredevil series. She played Colleen Wing. And she was also one of the Sand Snakes. She was, uh, I want to say, Nymeria. Uh, Nymeria Sand from, uh, she, had, she was the one who had the whip from Game of Thrones. So somebody who is also a veteran of you know so like, screen she's a she's a badass person herself yeah in playing general, this she's badass bad. character yeah uh, was just like the icing on the cake like it was perfect the fight and scenes this, don't have 600 cuts this well and that's the thing that you guys touched base on in that episode that you did the interview um you know the thing about indie fight scenes you know, you don't have all of these different camera angles. You don't, you don't have the luxury of having all of these cameras on, you know, the actors in this one shot. So you can't cut takes. to, right. So you can't cut to all of these scenes. So I find that the fight scenes in indie films are more believable. Yep. I said the same thing. You're yeah. more authentic, you know, better looking for the most part, because you don't have all of this extra extra fluff if you're watching Thor fight somebody like he'll go to he'll wind up and then there'll be a cut and then he'll throw the punch and then there'll be a cut and then there'll be the guy getting hit and then there'll be a cut and it's like oh my god like six cuts for one punch is ridiculous but with this like there's all kinds of movement and fights and kicks and punches and throws and stabs and shootings it's just you know everyone did their homework in this film everyone involved you know clearly attended practice you know because there there has to be practice for scenes like this uh, it was just it was just so good so yeah uh brenner baker uh played by ellen holman in army of one is definitely uh, one of uh, the standout characters for me this year yeah and you know again i've watched close to 400 movies this year and, you know, so this was a little more difficult for me than it was for you. You watch a lot well, more Well, I mean, TV but not only here. that, you know, for me, and this is something that we kind of touched base on uh, say, in previous episodes, um, you know, when you see something and you like it, you're like, hey, I like this. But then when you have the opportunity to speak to the person involved in this mm -hmm. thing that you like, and this person speaks positively about the entire experience, loves the fact that you're talking about their character, wants to talk about their character, wants to elaborate on experiences, wants to, you know, tell you stories from behind the scenes, wants to go into, you know, talk to you about all the prep and stuff. It makes you appreciate and love what you saw even more. And that's the thing, like, I was watching this, uh, for the podcast and I was watching it kind of late because you know I had to work so I had to wait until I was done working because I really wanted to concentrate and, and pay attention to what was going on you came in with about half an hour or so left yeah I came home from work and then you sat down and you were watching it with me and you're like 
I really like this. And you immediately, as soon as we were done, you restarted it and watched the whole thing from the beginning again. Yes. So this is this movie gets a, a, a ringing endorsement from the Throwdown Thursday crew, uh, Army of One, with uh, Ellen Holman and Matt Passmore. Absolutely, Passman, Passmore. I, I kept messing that up, but yeah, definitely check it out. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say the same thing. I I, I picked Brenna Baker as well. Uh, I thought she was not Brenna, not Brenna, uh, phenomenal. Uh, Ellen Holman did a great job. There was, uh, you know, there's some great scenes. Again, like there was a, a very heavy Rambo vibe that I got from that. Ooh. So uh, I'll kick it back to you. What's uh, what's your next one? So from the same film, uh, it is Mama played by Geraldine Singer. Well, so Army was on, of One. Who was also in that interview. You know, and, and you kind of get this. So Brenner Baker is the heroine. She's the one that you're cheering for. Mama is the the matriarch of this league of, league of shadows. bad people. I mean, I'm trying to think of the best way. She, she, it's basically they are two sides of the same coin. Mama's not a badass. But she, she is she is firmly in control of all these guys that are running drugs, running guns. You know murdered. how some people you are physically afraid of, and some people you are they're not physically intimidating, but you are afraid of them because you're not exactly sure what they will do. Kind of like a Kathy Bates in misery crossed with the Godfather. You know, someone who has spent a lot of time building respect and, you know, building word of mouth and uh, an someone, yeah, building an empire. Someone who, you know, in the respect of building respect um, has created this group of men, boys, who are afraid to disappoint her. She also, she gives in to some of their baser urges as well, because there are several young ladies that are being held against their will, doing all the domestic work, and Mama keeps them in line by... Not letting, if I were to, if I were to take a guess, not letting them get raped all that often, because hmm. she still lets lets the, the the boys do what they want, and but like she'll step in if like there's definitely a pecking order, like you know the main guy is like uh, I think it's like Butch, Butch, yeah, well, I, and I believe Butch is her son. See, I'm not 100% sure. He so, might be. So I think, you know, some of these boys are her actual children, where others have been adopted by her. Yeah, that seems about right. It not Maybe not adopted, but like... Well, she's def definitely, like, taking the... Because she has that other son... She's matriarchal. She has that other son who is 
like he caters to her. He's the intellectual to right his, to Butch's muscle. Yeah, like just brute strength. Like he takes care of the the financial aspect of what's going on. But like it, Butch this, goes out she, and physically intimidates people. She has this way of getting these boys to kind of do her bidding, but at the same time think that they're thinking for themselves and she's just this master manipulator. She's a puppet master. She absolutely is. Yeah. And and like you said, like it's two sides to the same coin. So where you have Brenner Baker who is, you know, smarts and training and intelligence and physical strength, you have Mama who is common sense and street smarts and you're just she's just all around like intelligence. Yeah, she you know, almost like psychological intelligence. Like she has she this ferocity to her. How she knows exactly what to say to make you do what she wants you to do. And like I loved these two female characters because both were strong in their own rights. Both were um, feisty, very confident. Both, both, both were tenacious. Sense. Yeah, both were tenacious in their own rights, uh, but in different ways. Yeah, they definitely approached the world from different angles, and were very confident of their place in the world, and knew that no you know, matter. What, and again, I'm not going to say anything else because I want you to see this film. Again, Amazon Prime, Army of One. Do yourself a favor. Buy the movie. Watch You're going to want to watch it's it multiple times. so good. Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, a character that I, I had mentioned earlier that I had started watching Clone Wars without you. And then I was like, no, we need to watch this together because I really think you would enjoy it. Because you're really enjoying The Mandalorian. You're like really liking that that aspect of Star Wars. So I'm going to go with a character I just got introduced to and I, I was unfamiliar with. And that's Cad Bane from Clone Wars, voiced by Corey Burton. Cad Bane is a super badass bounty hunter. He's super goddamn cool. Uh, he has several episodes where he is the featured uh, player. And uh, some of his storylines tie into the movie, uh, the Clone Wars movie, involving uh, Jabba the Hutt's nephew there. And I, I think he's... He's one of the coolest uh, bounty hunters. I do not know what his ultimate fate is, um, but there were rumors that he was in uh, in the first season of The Mandalorian. We see someone approaching uh, Ming-Na Wen's character, and it turned out to be Boba Fett, but there were some people speculating that it might have been Cad Bane. And given how closely um, Dave Filoni was involved with Clone Wars... Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if Cad Bane does not show up in the uh, Boba Fett series. So Cad Bane is uh, my character that I'm adding on uh, on my list here. So that would be uh, six. So uh, who is your – do you have any more honorable mentions? I have one, yep. Okay. So it is 22, voiced by Tina Fey from Soul. Yeah, we, we this was a earlier. recent watch. Soul, uh, so it came out on Christmas Day on Disney Plus. It is the 
best thing that I have seen all year. Soul was on my list. It was my, I think it was my I didn't really put anything in order, but it was one of my top films. Um, I, I, I Pixar has done it again. Pixar has this way of just, and especially Soul. Like I, I didn't really see much about it. I just knew that Pixar was releasing a new film, and we were spending Christmas night just you. We watched Wonder Woman eighty four, which I enjoyed, by the way. I did as well. You know, it, not as good as the first, yeah. but I enjoyed it. And I think we should do an episode on Cheetah, kind of give a little backstory on her. Well, yeah, there's a lot up. more. There's a lot more to you know. To so that is, that yeah. is definitely coming up. It's in the works. But um, after watching Wonder Woman '84, I said, "Hey, let's watch Soul." Like that just came out. I, I yeah, you know, that was our much, plan. I've enjoyed a, most of what Pixar has put out. We haven't and yet watched Toy Story Four. No, no, and I, I didn't so much particularly care for the Cars franchise, but you know, I don't think I've seen that. That's neither here nor there. Not all of them can be winners, but anyways, um, Soul, like I just I, I, it came out of nowhere. It sucker punches you in the feels, and when the when the credits rolled, I was just like, God damn it! Yeah, it ends God on a very interesting it. note. You know, and I think it's um, yeah, it ends really, in a place you wouldn't expect. Really relevant for a lot of people to watch this year. Mm. You know, after after everything that has happened in in twenty twenty, you know, uh, a lot of things that we had never thought of happening in twenty twenty happening. Um, yeah, soul. It, it's just uh, it gets you thinking. It, it's perfect. But anyways, uh, 22 is this character who is naive and yet so full of life, but doesn't realize that she's so full of life well, it's, until she starts living life. It's funny because the situation, like they're assigning souls to mentors. So folks who have already passed on and are trying to prepare new souls for life. So it's like, Oh, this is soul 100 billion, 900,000, whatever. But, and she's a, soul 22 because she has spent her well, entire yes. existence avoiding going to Earth. And she is like made Gandhi hater and Einstein and Mother it, Teresa. It, you know, Jack Kirby doesn't like her. Um, Lincoln. Johnny Cash. <laughs> you know, she has had all of these mentors, all of these, you know, icons you know as as mentors and they couldn't get through to her she refused um, she didn't want to she didn't want to live a life on earth because she thought it was terrible but you know it, it just it just offers up so much and it gives you so much to think about while being highly entertaining and hilarious at the same time like i cannot say enough good things about it i will probably rewatch it this weekend because it's just been on my uh, on my mind since i watched it you know for the first time a few days ago there's a cat named mr mittens so you know patsy loves it his name was mittens his name was (laughs) Mittens. he just his ears perked up he's like oh his name is Mittens." i looked at her i go what's it what's the name of the cat what's the cat's name what's the cat's name <laughs> uh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, because her thing is not everything is mittens, and then anytime something's name is mittens, it's like, oh, but yeah. So if you haven't checked out Soul yet, I I, I cannot recommend it enough. But it's the character so of Twenty Two, you know, um, it, it, 
I don't want to say too much because it's going to spoil it. I like yeah. her character. She's the best character in the film. You know, uh, definitely comedic relief, but at the same time, seeing her kind of go through certain things such a puts cast. a lot of perspective. Oh, yeah, the cast is great. Chris Love, Angela Bassett, uh, Felicia Rashad, the Jamie Foxx. Diggs, like, you know, obviously Tina Fey. Um, you do this. It's just, it's... A bunch Ugh. of different uh, people it's playing so the, the Terrys. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Richard. The Jerry's. Yeah, the Jerry's. Um, There's one Terry and a bunch of Jerry's. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Richard Awardy is is one of the Terry's. Who is also in Mandalorian. Yes. But, and that, that British dude who has the talk show, why can I not think of his name right now? Oh, my God, I'm going to look him up. Graham, crazy. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Graham Norton does a voice as well. Graham Cracker. And he is fantastic. But anyways. Uh, so I'm going to go for my number five. Uh, no, number six. I'm sorry. It's 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne and Belial Bradley from Basket Case. Uh, I got the chance earlier this year to interview Kevin Van Hedrick, who played Dwayne. Uh, this is kind of his claim to fame um, earlier this year. And uh, he and I clicked. We, we hit it off. Uh, we are now Facebook friends. We interact a lot. The interview was phenomenal. Um, I did it for uh, womeninhorror.net. Um, and we got to talking uh, a lot about this. I had never seen the Basket Case films. I watched all three. We talked about the potential for a sequel. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was great. I loved their characters. I loved the duality of the two characters, like their motivations. If you have not seen Basket Case, um, definitely do yourself a favor and see it. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the Richard Lehman book series of Beast House, uh, which I would assume that's where he got the uh, motivation uh, or inspiration, I should say. Um, I liked it a lot. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, the, the whole series, there's some great characters throughout. But uh, getting to see Dwayne and Belial, especially after our buddy Monster Zero, who has spoken so highly of this film series throughout the years, um, 100% check it out. Uh, I, I really enjoyed those guys. And Kevin Van Hentenbrick was uh, and is just a, a phenomenal a phenomenal gentleman. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Dwayne and Belial Bradley. So my number five is a character from something that came out in an unconventional way. Quibby. Quibby. <laughs> R.I.P. Quibby. Oh, so much potential. But um, no, uh, we're all familiar with Broadway. We're all familiar with musicals, both on Broadway and off Broadway. I'm pretty sure you've heard the word Hamilton floating about for the past four Hamilton or five years. Um, Disney Plus picked up a recording of Hamilton that was recorded in 2016. And it was right before most of the main cast, uh, before their contracts were up. And... This character that I'm going to talk about, uh, his contract was up and he was actually doing another show at the time. And they asked him to come back for this recording because he originated the role and they wanted to have all of the original characters 
original people in their original characters and the Jesus. roles that they originate. It is Jesus because I'm talking about Jesus Christ Superstar. No, it's Hamilton. Um, I loved this. So often when we see a musical in, and this was supposed to be in theaters, but obviously with the way that this year went, it didn't happen. Disney Plus picked it up. I'm really hoping this happens for more Broadway shows in the future. First of all, I'm hoping that there is Didn't more. Did you just watch something about that? Well, I watched, um, there was an NBC special hosted by Tina Fey, number 22. Um, <laughs> You know, it was all about Broadway, and it was supporting Broadway Cares, which is a foundation uh, started in the early 90s, originally established for the AIDS Foundation, um, but now they are using Broadway Cares to help the thousands of actors and uh, stage crew, stagehands, directors, you know, concession, like pretty much anybody who's part of the Broadway experience. Um, so many people have lost their jobs over this past year. Uh, so many people, their, their jobs are up in the air. They're kind of on hiatus or furloughed. They don't know if they're going to have anything to go back to because their jobs are kind of, I don't want to say irrelevant right now, but just not able to happen. Non-essential. Uh, well, I mean, I, and I don't, I, no, I'm not going to use that no, word. No, no, I'm not saying that's what we would say. That's I'm saying that's what some folks would say. They're non-essential. Because personnel. I don't know about you, but entertainment has been so unbelievably essential for my sanity over the past year. And not just us, obviously everyone watching this, because you know, for someone like me who works from home and doesn't get to go out that often. You know, and someone like me who, you know, I work a lot during the week and I work out of the home. But when I come home, you know, I, I need, need an escape relax. from that. I need to relax. I need to be able to do something. And, you know, watching a movie, watching a TV show, you know, having uh, a couple of hours where my brain can just, you know, kind of relax and be, uh, engrossed in this other world is just perfection to me. You know, so the fact that Broadway has sh been shut down since March, you know, it, 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 Broadway has only gone dark a, a, a handful of times. Yeah, and it, it, it takes a really extenuating circumstance for that to happen. And the fact that, and, and usually it's only for a few days, maybe a week or two, but for Broadway to have been shut down for months is just heartbreaking, you know, for all of these people. Not only, you know, for us who are seeking entertainment, but for the entertainers, the people who work behind the scenes, all the, the, the everyone. And there are so many people involved in each show. And there are so many shows going on Broadway at one time. It's it's absolutely bonkers when you try to think of how many people are out of work right now. So yeah, this was a uh, I believe it's still on Hulu. That's where I watched it. Uh, it premiered on NBC. It's this Broadway special. Uh, they have performances from shows that are currently on Broadway, including uh, Jersey Boys, a revival of Chicago, which is the longest running show 
on Broadway. Thank you, Bob Fosse. Uh, Chicago's my favorite, by the way. Um, you know, Mean Girls featuring, you know, the uh, Tina Fey helped out with that because she wrote Mean Girls and starred in Mean Girls. Um, oh, God. Um, Book of Mormon? A whole, no. The, no. Um, I'm just trying to name ones that I know. But it, just a whole slew of like shows cats. that had to be not, not cat, God, not cats. Um, cats, not good. I don't care. I, it's, it's, yeah. Phantom of the Oprah. Anyways. Anyways. You so, get a car. <laughs> and you get a car. <laughs> so anyways, being able to watch a musical uh, in a stage setting from the comfort of my own home was fantastic. And obviously I'm talking about Hamilton, which is a show that I've been obsessed with for the past few years. And I am talking about the character of King George played by Jonathan Groff. Uh, King George is only on stage for a total of nine minutes, a couple of songs almost like interludes between sets, uh, a little bit of interaction with some of the characters. A lot of da-da-da-da-da's. And that's it. But there is something about this character, the way that it's written, and especially Jonathan Groff's portrayal, that is just so good. You know, uh, the songs are different. The styles of the songs are different than the uh, hip-hop, R&B stylings of the other characters of the show. It has more of like a, a, a Beatles-type vibe to it, kind of like a yeah. 60s rockness to it. Um, like a Tommy. But there is just so much to this character, and there's so much behind this trail. And some of it, some of it intentional... Some of it not intentional, but kind of works in his favor, like the whole spitting thing. I was going to say that. Well, Jonathan Jonathan Groff is a spitter when he sings, which, you know, I mean, it happens to some people. You sing, you don't have the opportunity to swallow when you're supposed to, you know, and and, and your saliva has to go somewhere. It just just happens. Um, Some people are sweaters, some people are spitters. It just just is what it is. but it really kind of added to the madness because King George went mad eventually uh, after, after mad everything that happened, you know, uh, King George just, so it almost like uh, added a little layer into the King George descent into madness, which really worked. Plus I just, I, for those of you who don't know, um, Jonathan Groff does the voice of, Hans, I think, in Frozen. So Hans and Franz. Do you see it you Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that's number five. All right. So let me move on to my next character. And again, these aren't really in that much of an uh, an order, but I'm kind of just playing off of how you pick characters. So I am next going to go with William Finley's character, Winslow, from 1974's The Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, I had heard our good buddy Dynamo Mars, who we chatted about this earlier. Uh, not a chatted about this, but chatted about his uh, top top picks earlier. I've heard him talk about this movie a thousand times, and I watched it earlier this year, and I fucking 
loved it. It's so good. The Phantom of the Paradise is on par for me with Rocky Horror. It's so really? good. It's so good. It's so much. Now, you've seen it, right? No, I haven't. Oh, oh we, we have to watch it this weekend. We have to. We, that, what I, are you doing later? Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, we're watching it within the next few days um, because it's so fucking good. And I will definitely start the new year off watching that movie um, because it's so good. It's so much fun. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. And uh, I mean, not literally. I'm, I'm a person. Um, but I would uh, absolutely recommend watching but, um, this. Uh, he plays Winslow. He's he's so good. That's the, the the Phantom character, and he goes through some terrible, terrible tragedies in his life. Uh, you feel really bad for him. He's definitely a tragic hero. He's or definitely a tragic figure, and it, it features um, oh god, what is her name? Jessica Harper from uh, uh, the original Suspiria and uh, Paul Williams is just a creepy, really creepy, skeezy villain in this. So uh, I recommend watching this. It is, uh, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Uh, 100% check this movie out. Uh, and that's why he's one of my favorite characters. So uh, who's next for you? So my number four comes from a television series, a Netflix series, actually. And I believe my list last year featured two characters from this series. Um, this year only features one. I'm talking about Margaret Thatcher, played by Gillian Anderson from The Crown. Never have we seen Margaret Thatcher played so authentically since Bag of Chips portrayed her on the Snatch Game in the 2019 series RuPaul's Drag Race UK. I am unfamiliar with Bag of Chips. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. I'm sure. I'm just... uh, well, actually, so, okay. Side note, that season was hilarious. Uh, the first season of Drag Race UK. During the Snatch Game, Bag of Chips played Margaret Thatcher. The Vivian played Donald Trump. And hilarity ensued. They were fantastic. Both just uh, really dead ringers for the emphasis on the dead. Because, you know, Margaret Thatcher. Um, so good. So good. Highly entertaining. It's on YouTube. I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK Snatch Game. Hilarious. The Snatch but Game anyways. is always fucking hilarious. For those oh, of you who good. are unfamiliar, it's when the, the, the queens dress up as different characters that they are, or different actors. Different, not right. their, their drag personas, but different characters, like Margaret Thatcher, or sometimes Michelle, Michelle Visage, or, you know, Julia Child, like random people. Right. It's, it's, it's good. But anyways... Jillian Anderson, and you know, we all know her and love her as you know, Agent Scully from the X Files, Hannibal Psychiatrist and Hannibal, right? You know, she's in American Gods, like she has done so many things. She has had such a colorful career for her, and 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 she's hot, like, she is a beautiful woman, like, for her to not only get 
the voice correct, you know, this drawn out British old voice, like, I do a horrible impression. She does sound so much better. But for her to, I mean, she looked like Margaret Thatcher with the prosthetics and the teeth and everything and the wig, like, oh my God. And, you know, Leo says thank you. Margaret Thatcher was known as the Iron Lady by the press. I thought that was in, Nicole. No, Nicole's mom. Nicole's mom. Yeah, you're just Nicole's mom. And because of the, the horrible things that she did, and not saying that the um, royal family was any better, but the like the tension between Gillian Anderson's Margaret Thatcher and Olivia Coleman's Queen Elizabeth is just oh my god. Olivia Coleman is oh uh, my god. The scenes, because, I mean, uh, Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister, the first female prime minister of England. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, Queen Elizabeth has been the queen for the past 650 years. years. Um, a long time. And she's like, yes, I, I, I believe she's the, the longest reigning royal in English history. No, but, I have an old anyways, Bible. The tension in the room because the prime minister has to have meetings with the queen to talk about doings and stuff. Doings uh, and po politics, you know, the royal family isn't super involved with the politics anymore, but they used to be. Like, I mean, obviously England used to be a monarchy. They got away from that, but the monarchy, you know, over time has lost more and more power. Um, there, there's a, a lot to do. And one of the things I love about the show is it's historical fiction. So it's based on stuff that actually happened, but they take a little um, creative liberties, you know, when, when filling Historical in the fiction. Yeah, as I said, historical fiction. As opposed to, you know, like, no, but not quite to the, lim the extent of, say, uh, Quentin Tarantino in... Inglorious Bastards. Or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. No, yeah, I mean, he took a lot of creative liberties with his historical fiction. He killed the fucking... No, I mean, like, this is more or less on par with what we know to have happened. They kind of take some liberties to fill in the place. But I, I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm what I, I, I eat the show up and I don't know why. It is you so it yeah. delicious. I love as soon as the fourth season dropped, and you know, um, the actor they have playing Princess Diana, oh, that's a whole nother thing. Um, she's not even on my list, and she's fantastic. Like, that whole thing, I, I feel like next season she might, it, 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 but The Crown, if you are not watching it, if you have any interest in seeing it at all, do it. Do it, do it, do it. It's it's so good. So good. All right. So I'm going to move on to... Uh, so I've got four characters left. Or four spots left. Let me put it that way. So four spots. I'm going to go with my number four spot. I'm going to go with uh, Gemma from the movie Fear Farm, played by our good friend Amy Stolte. Uh, she is cold and calculating and badass and uh you know you heard the description that i gave earlier of uh 
the the doctor from oh, I can't remember her name. The doctor from uh, Old Man Wade's lists. Um, Arthrum Ashram. Doctor. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Pull it up. Afra. Doctor Afra. Reminds me of that because she's super smart, but she has a little bit of like Firefly flam family in her from House mm. of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Reject. She's got a little bit of that in there mm. in her. And uh, first of all, Amy is a fucking delight. Amy is an amazing actor to start with. Well, she's also a really great person. Right. She's just great. Like we loved her in Megalodon. We loved her in Battle Star Wars. And, you know, so it was just natural that we were going to want to see her in this. And she did not disappoint. Um, and I'll give an honorable mention to uh, Emily Sweet, who's also really good in this. Um, but for me, it was Gemma taking the cake. Um, she she just, she had this presence on screen where she was like, you know, trying, you know, she tries to get the uh, the boyfriend to cheat. And then she's just kind of like, ah, well, you know, we could have had some fun, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> like she's, it's it's like Texas Chainsaw meets The Shining meets um, the Firefly family. It's really good. Uh, Fear Farm, I highly recommend it. You can get it for like ten bucks at Walmart. Uh, but I'm I'm a fan, and her character is my favorite of that movie. So. Uh, so we're down to the top three now. Yes. So who is uh, who is your number three character so from this year? My number three is a grouping of characters. And some people have mentioned a couple of these characters in their list so far. Mm -hmm. And I obviously agree. I specifically left these characters out because I knew how many people were going to mention them. But they're definitely great. Yeah. The Ladies of the Mandalorian. So Bo-Katan Cries, played by Katie Sackhoff. I love Katie Sackhoff. Ahsoka Tano, played by Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Uh, Fennec Shand, played by Ming Na Wen, who was just, oh, God, so good. And Cara Dune, played by Gina Carano. Cool. Our buddy Rocky fucking... No. I could not get enough of these characters this season. So one thing I love about the Mandalorian is, you know, they do a really good job. If they're going to introduce a character, if they're going to introduce this character for one episode or, you know, a couple of episode stints, they make you care about this character. Yeah. Now I went into this, Having no idea who Bo Katan is, having no idea who Ahsoka Tano was. Um, I, I mean, I, I heard Bo Katan. I had no clue. Ahsoka Tano. I heard the name. I was I was familiar. I just had no clue really who she was. Now I know who you Ahsoka know. was because I had gotten most of the way through two seasons of Clone Wars and I had seen the movie. I did not know who Bo Katan was. You know, and. Um, Fennec Shand, who was introduced last season. Badass bounty hunter. In The Mandalorian, brought back this season, will be in the Boba Fett series. Book of Boba Fett. 
which uh, whoa, and that, she was Mulan. That was an end credit scene. Yes, and she was Mulan. Um, you know, and obviously Gina Carano reprising her role as Cara Dune for a few more episodes this season. I mean, they just. Uh, and especially in that last episode, like they 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 fucking killed it. And I, I without so spoiling anything, this was far less contrived than the Marvel scene in Endgame. That was definitely like, oh, let's see, let's pander. This was. The, I mean, this, this makes it just, sense, right? Like it just it just made sense. Like all of, of course, you know. You have this group of people. It just made sense for these women to do what they did. You know, it, it wasn't out of place. It just, it just. I mean, granted, that scene in in Endgame was. Uh, it was cool, it was but it was definitely contrived I ate and it up. It forced. Was fine. Yeah, but this this wasn't. But I mean, it it, it uh, intrigued me to the point where we are now watching Clone Wars because I need to know more about Ahsoka Tano. I know that Bo-Katan appears eventually. Yep. And, you know, after Clone Wars, we will make our way to Rebels. Rebel, rebel, rebel. So, so yeah. And uh, honestly, so we are a few episodes into the first season. Of We're like 15 Clone, episodes in. Clone Wars. And I love, I mean, my two favorite characters are Ahsoka Tano and Asajj Ventress. I love the two of them. Ventress is fucking badass. I, I love the two of them. I, I just, you know, it, so, it's, so it's kind of cool to start to get this backstory on this character that I was so enthralled with during that one episode of Mandalorian. So I'm going to go, my number three, um, and this is the last one that's only a single person because uh, the rest are kind of groups. Uh, but I'm going to go with Amaramis Cloth, who is the main antagonist from the movie Anonymous Killers, and he is played by Nathaniel Gray. He is cold. He he gives me think Richard Brake from Thirty One, crossed with Mads Mikkelsen, Hannibal crossed with. Tobin Bell, John Kramer slash Jigsaw. Like, he is cold, he is scary, he is frightening, but he has a specific set of rules that he always follows. Um, he is great in that movie, and we got to see that film. We got a screener uh, earlier this year before it mm -hmm. launched, because uh, our good buddy Dominic Pace, uh, you know, shout out to Dominic Pace, who is... Uh, always one of uh, our favorite character actors appeared in several movies this year including um what's his name there harley quinn yeah the scene was yeah. a little blurry and he was out of focus but i knew it was dominic because i always specifically look for dominic he was one of roman's henchmen yes he was he was in the background you couldn't see him along with uh, our good buddy ego matias yeah um but yeah they they were both in it and uh, they're they're awesome people uh, just in general but uh, anonymous killers is one of the better movies that i've seen this year that was on my list of uh top movies that i've seen again i had like 20 movies on my list but i've watched 400 or close damn close to it like 390 and a lot of these uh, i haven't checked my final tally but i'd say about 150 were first time watches wow so 
I mean, January was almost all first time watches. I went through just new new movies that I had never seen before. Um, and this was one of my favorites. So that's my number three. Uh, definitely, we've recommended buying movies uh, a few times by Anonymous Killers. Um, this is another one where like these people are all bad, but are they really that bad? Because you get to see what drives them to the point of them being picked up by uh, Emma Rasmus' clothes and like being uh, chosen for judgment, like what gets them to that point. And I think uh, I will say my favorite part about that movie is uh, uh, Luke Fatteruso was in this. Uh, who he was also in uh, Battle Star Wars that we discussed earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, he plays the younger uh, version of uh, Dominic Pace's character. Uh, who uh, I am totally blanking on his name. Um, and the best thing is, like, young Dominic looks exactly like current Luke Federuso. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have been twins. Like, it's uncanny. It's like, yeah, you're going to play the younger version of me, and you look exactly like the younger... Like, he looks exactly how Dominic yeah, looked at that it's age. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, but Great uh, job by casting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that that's a movie you need to pick up. Um, it's just... he's He is so good, and he's... He didn't do a lot of the um, Romero Scarinelli. That's his name. Um, that's uh, Dominic's character. Uh, Dominic told us that he uh, he's a very method actor. So, like you know, even like you know, kind of like Daniel Day Lewis, like he was in character almost the whole time. So he was always like in that you know scary, intimidating mode, and it was really cool to kind of see his process throughout the throughout the entire uh, production of the film. So that's my number three. And my next two are collections. So uh, why don't you do your number two and I'll do mine. So funny story, my final two are collections as well. Well, so, your final three, technically, because you just did a collection. This is true. Uh, my number two spot goes to drag queens because 2020 has been a drag. Literally, don't be a drag, just be a queen on Hanukkah or Halloween. Wait, is that how it works? <laughs> not, not, not quite. Uh, so obviously, RuPaul has been killing it this year. We had Drag Race season twelve, where Jada Essence Hall was crowned the winner. We had Celebrity Drag Race, which was a hoot. It was fantastic. It was fun. This happened, uh, it, it aired at the beginning of, of COVID, at the beginning of quarantine, and it was something that was just nice and light and fluffy and, you know, uh, just feel-good TV. And then we had All Stars 5, where Shay Coulee, I'm Black, was crowned the winner she deserved it. She killed it. Um, you know, uh, season nine, when she, uh, 
Sasha Velour one. Like I, 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 I am a Sasha Velour stan. I love her so much. Uh, but I really felt for Shea Coulee because I knew she wanted it. And, you know, that friendship that blossomed out of that season between Sasha, Sasha and Shay, you know, um, was super beautiful. So it was so, so nice to see her back and really in fighting form. Like she was not going down without a fight. And I thought the cast was pretty fantastic for the most part. I love seeing Juju be back. I love Juju B. She's a Boston girl. Um, Ms. Cracker. I love her so much. Her review with the Jew. I love it. That's what she calls you. Review with the Jew. Um, She's hilarious. And I feel like she really sabotaged herself during the season. And you know, the judges didn't get to see the Ms. Cracker that we got to see and fall in love with. So I love the fact that she was brought back for All Stars and the judges got to see this really quirky and funny Ms. Cracker. And I'm almost really, I, I'm kind of bummed that like multiple winners couldn't win this year. Uh, but I, I just, I, I thought she did fantastic. And then. We had Drag Race, UK, uh, not UK, UK was last year. We had Drag Race Canada for the first time, which was just, in, it was it was something that happened. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but it was good. And they crowned, uh, what's her name? Priyanka as the winner, although I am a Jimbo stan. I love I Jimbo, Jimbo the Clown. Uh, the Clown. It, I thought Jimbo kind of got the raw deal during the whole seri- uh, season, but um, and then we have Drag Race Holland that happened, and Envy Peru was crowned the winner. And I don't know too too much about that, but um, oh, we have a we have a guest a waiting guest. to hop on. Uh, he is from Amalgamania. He is the boy wonderful. He is Mr. Ian Wallace. Hello, can you guys hear me? Oh, let me. Sorry, I turned my uh, my speaker all the way down. How you okay. doing? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Real busy end of this year, but I'm um, doing pretty well. How are you guys? Good. Uh, doing all right. We've uh, we've gone through two bottles of uh, uh, sparkly one, stuff. Well, one bottle of champagne, Ooh. one bottle of uh, sparkling wine. So uh, we're on. Jesus, we're hitting almost four hours on the show. We started at seven; it's almost eleven. Yeah, that's awesome. This is a lot longer than we. What is time anymore? Seriously. Right, going in, coming out of this year, we can take. Let's take our time going into the next one. I say we've been through it. So. <laughs> let's enjoy the last couple seconds. So I saw your, <sighs> uh, your your comment said you wanted to talk a little bit about the Mandalorian. So. Uh, well, what do you- and a couple of other of, of uh, interesting characters from the last year, uh, year and a half, I would say. Um, but when you guys were bringing up the ladies in a Mandalorian, I was just, I was glued. I had to, I, I really am loving like um, the diversity and, and, and the fact that they're using um, the ladies characters. And like Patsy said, not really so much like the Marvel movies where it was kind of like, you kind of knew what they were doing. And here it was just like, you had these badass ladies just kind of doing their thing and they're just where they need to be. And, I like how they brought um, Agent May, or um, uh, I forget, I forget her name, Jing May Na, or um, from Agents of Shield. Ming Na Wen. Ming Na Wei. Sorry, I, I couldn't remember her name, but um, I like how they brought her over, and it's just it's been a really awesome development as far as the ladies on that show. So I just wanted to 
kind of highlight that. And um, if, if, if possible, we could talk about some of the other characters I liked and enjoyed from the last year or so. Oh, yeah, please. Um, uh, all the characters from The Boys. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the comics. I didn't know much about them. But um, getting into this show, I just I kind of fell in love with just how raw they were and like that flip side of what it could be like if you know people had superpowers and it was like a real thing and all of that um i really enjoyed the series a lot um i i would say uh out of all the characters billy the butcher really had me he had me going for a while i liked him a lot and um it was enjoyable to watch him do his thing and um also a lot of the characters from the umbrella academy um i enjoyed it as well i thought that was a great show number five is my idol um i can't wait to see it yeah he's awesome isn't he um i can't wait to see what they're gonna do the next season and um this is just some of the characters that came off the top of my head um i didn't get a really chance to do a whole top 10 but um any of the characters from any of those shows i'm I'm all in so well i mean i i definitely appreciate you hanging out because you you've been waiting for about 15 minutes for us to uh get to you and, and get you onto the show so i appreciate doing your thing wow. so no worries no, I know you. Uh, you're a big comic guy. You've been reading a lot of comics this year. Are there any comic oh, characters yeah. that kind of uh, jumped out to you, or maybe some reimaginings of some uh, classic characters that uh, kind of caught your eye? Oh yeah. Um, oh wow. As far as comics are concerned, um, I, I kind of love the direction they took the entire DC universe in general. How um, Rebirth kind of started, and then they they kind of revamped the characters. They did the whole. Dark Knight's metal, and they're kind of bringing it back to that old George Perez kind of feel. I like the direction DC's going. So, like, as far as reimaginings are concerned, um, I like the way that they are revamping their characters and how they're bringing them back down to the brass tacks characters that we kind of all grew up with and, and enjoy. And then you can kind of still tell the new stories using those same characters. And then the spinoff characters, your Robins, your Superboys, and all of that. Um, it's all going in a pretty good direction, so I'm really interested in um, seeing what's going to be next as far as that's concerned. Um, on the Marvel side, I, I would say the X-Men. I love what they're doing in the X-Men camp. I, I, I just, I'm glad that they kind of whittled away a lot of those um, gold and blue and red teams and kind of just brought it down to, like, the main mutants, kind of gave them their own area in the Marvel Universe and kind of set them apart the way they should have been this whole time. And it's just been kind of an interesting journey to see where the X-Men are going. So as far as reimagining, seeing Professor X and Magneto on the same side, kind of just deciding what to do with all of mutant kind is a long time in the making. And it's been an uh, interesting ride, to say the very least. So um, definitely in comics, I would say the X-Men and, and most of what they're doing in the DC universe is kind of awesome. I like that. I like the fact that, you know, it's... You know, you've t- you've had these characters for you know sixty-ish years, and you know you've kind of reached the limit of you know how many back and forths can you have with with you know Charles and Ex- and uh, Magneto, or you know even uh, one of the, my favorite characters. You kind of brought it up, uh, at least as far as an aesthetic standpoint, uh, the Batman who laughs like in that backstory. That's right. dark, like, isn't it? The whole Dark Knight's Metal, I think, kind of, it was a sleeper story. It, it reminds me a lot of Brightest Day, Darkest Night. Like, I don't think people are going to realize how great it is <laughs> until a little bit later on. But, um, yeah, definitely. The Dark Knight's Metal kind of paved the way for a lot of changes, a lot of good changes in the DC universe. And I love the way he looked with the, the spikes going across his eyes. Like, ooh. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Definitely, definitely a Joker you can respect. And it's funny that they used uh, Bruce Wayne as the base character for that uh, same personality. But it was still, a, a, it spawned a lot of great other um, sh- shorter storylines and, and other things as far as Dark Knight's Metal is concerned. And um, now that they're doing the second continuation of that story, kind of explaining a lot more about that entire um, DC Dark Underverse and all of that, I can't wait to see what, like what's going to come out of that because... I got a feeling that we're going to see some characters that weren't like the Spectre and a couple of other characters that weren't really, um, you know, spotlighted in Rebirth. I think they're going to get a chance to kind of resurface during this whole dark undertone. And Justice League Darks, I, th- I think, is going to have a big year, too, given everything that's going on. So just it's it's just going to be a wild ride. I mean, not to mention the whole uh, Doomsday Clock thing where they they reset the entire universe that wasn't that awesome i I think that was the great i think that was the best decision dc made this year outside of kind of just kiboshing a lot of their movie projects and starting you know from scratch i think that the best thing that they could have did was the doomsday clock it took a long time and it was pretty long-winded but the dc universe needed an anchor and it needed to kind of be reset and kind of started over and that's pretty much what you got and with a pretty good explanation. And then they bring the Watchmen characters in and, and kind of leave some of them in the universe. And it's just, I, they were so clever. And um, although, like I said, the storyline in, in and of itself was pretty long-winded, it was a great idea and a great maneuver. And it, it's gonna, I think that we're going to see a lot more ripples to come based off of that event later. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we're going to see uh, some, some really interesting and fun stuff happen uh, going forward, you know, maybe, you know, some classic storylines reimagined, uh, you know, we had the, the death in the family, the death of the family we had, uh, right. you know, there's a lot of different ways that they can take this stuff and they might start doing what Marvel's doing and kind of tying in their cinematic universe with, you know, their comic universe. Although it's weird when you have like seven different, you know, uh, Batman franchises, you know, like, right. you know with that, I mean, there's already enough Batman content. Like, how many times are you gonna show like a a, a new storyline for Batman? And it's like, well, here's you know, maybe they're gonna do into the Batverse. You know, maybe that's that's what's coming. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> right, it'll be, it'll be uh, Bat Pig next, and you know, something crazy like. And, and again, um, like like we were kind of mentioning with the X Men, I think a lot of these um, expansive characters need to be whittled down some. So hopefully we'll see that. Like start utilizing these villains a lot more. Go with the more you know gory horror kind of side of stuff, and you know get rid of some of these heroes. We don't need them all. Like um, Heroes in Crisis, how like Wally West kind of killed everyone who was there, and like just how that all worked out towards the end. I thought that was so dope that they kind of just took that risk and got rid of some of the more B-list characters. And, and like, I just think they need to take more risks like that. And I think that if they do, they'd be amazed at the room that they'll make for some of the characters that they can create. And I think that's the biggest thing in DC is just taking those risks. And it seemed like they're starting to do that. So hopefully they continue on with it. it would be, it's great reading. I've been loved. I've been enjoying it. One of the things I'd like to see them do is, you know, it worked so well, uh, I think, for... Like, uh, it's, a, it's a weird take on it, but the Old Man Logan storyline where everybody decides, like, why are we still fighting the same heroes over and fucking <laughs> over again because we always lose? Like, let's switch up. Like, 
Let's see the X-Men take on the Sinister Six. That would be fucking crazy. Let's see <laughs> Spider-Man have to fight Magneto. Like, I, I had a comic book. I think it was drawn by Eric Larson back in the day where Spider-Man took on Dr. Doom and he absolutely got wrecked. Doom wrecked him. It was awesome. Like, Spider-Man's doing all this shit and Doom's just like, all right, you're annoying and just blew him through two bit things. I, you know, a lot of people end up in that position with Doom. They kind of just show up thinking, you know, they're going to top him like the Fantastic Four does and he shows his true colors. But I, that, those are some amazing crossovers. I'd love to see the Sinister Six and the X-Men or even, you know, some of the Avengers villains like Kang or some of the more space villains come after the X-Men. I think that would be, you know, interesting writing as well. And who knows? Maybe they might take, you know, cross over some of those characters. I never understood why. Um, after you know they 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 kind of whittled down the six one six universe that they didn't do that, especially with the ultimates and everything, kind of just have these crossovers that you can readily explain. But it's like I don't know, they just they haven't delved into it. But that would be awesome to see some of those crossovers. You know what I want to see? The crossover I really want to see: the Brood mm. versus the Xenomorphs. Mm. That would be something. That would be something. I don't even think the comic all nerds everywhere is ready for that. That that would be kind of crazy because it's like it's, a, it's an alien story kind of based off of you can use Marvel for it, like would be the base of it. And it would be just like you can add any characters you want in it. Like if you want like space characters and where it's set and, and how it would all play out, that would be that would be kind of dope. Like a Wolverine, Wolverine and a Predator. You got to go take down... Uh... You know, uh, an alien hive with, you know, the brood, like, that shit would be nuts. I'd love it. I would love, and it seems like they're not doing a whole lot with their more cosmic characters. I haven't seen a whole lot um, since the Infinity Watch and all of that happened. Like, they've kind of been real quiet with their more uh, universal characters. So I'm hoping that we see a lot more of the stranger. What happened to the champion? Where did he go after the, uh, you know, the Power Stone was removed from him? And, you know, what's he up oh, to? Oh, Thanos' quest? Yeah, exactly. I would love to know, like, what happened to some of these more powerful celestial beings that are just out there. And it's like Marvel's been keeping them on the tuck for a while, so I would love to see something happen where they kind of emerge. Now, uh, we didn't get a chance to ask this of uh, anybody else, but we got through your, uh, your top list uh, fairly quickly. What is it that you're looking forward to in 2021? Wow. Um... Any movies uh, or anything jump out at you? Like, you know, are you are you down for the Snyder Cut? Like, you know, um, I I've heard a lot about it, but um, unfortunately, DC Cinematic Universe has left such a horrible taste in the mouth of most of the fans. Um, and it's like hit or miss every other movie, and it's it's been it's been a really rough ride with them. So, am I looking forward to seeing the Snyder Cut? Um. Yeah, it would be great. I'd love to see it happen, but I, I don't. I don't. I mean, you know, whatever. Like, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. Like, I don't think it's going to be something that I'm, you know, gung ho about seeing. You know, they've been teasing it for how long now, and it just seems like a little too little, too late. And with the you know Batman project went going four different ways, and then you know COVID happening, and Robert Pattinson not really being able to do his thing. It's just like I don't know what DC Universe is going to be doing. Um, the the Wonder Woman eighty four movie was not the worst of their projects. I think that no. they're going in a direction. Shazam was pretty good. Um, you know, they got say again. 
I said Shazam was excellent. I gotta I gotta watch that one again. Yeah, it's uh, pretty. Colleen, I like it. uh, Colleen says I feel like when we have more young fans and writers being given the chance to author some actual comics, that these crossovers will be given light. I mean, I and some of these, some of these. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, some of these, like uh, the the Batman versus Predator, the Superman versus Alien, like the Batman versus Alien, like some of those crossovers were fantastic and they were so well done um like i have the batman versus alien comics and they're excellent um i have it like in a in a hardcover like collection it's really cool and if you already like marvel already has you know the brood and the clintar you know so they have that uh that kind of uh xenomorph like uh, combination of, of of uh characters but they can get so many more, like get some of these like really cool characters involved, like, you know, a Venom Xenomorph combination. Like imagine a Xenomorph queen with a Venom symbiote. Oh, wow. Just start laying eggs everywhere and like, like and how waste. cool would that be in the cinematic universe? I don't think we're, Ever gonna see that in the cinematic? I, I, yeah, that would be that would be way, way, way a lot of effort for them to do. I would love to see it though. It would definitely be. I, I, like, I, I feel like because you know DC, the comics themselves has this capability. You know, they have this capability of doing all of these crossovers. If they could bring some of that to the cinematic universe, it might revive the cinematic universe and make more people aware of not only what they're doing. You but are preaching to the choir, You are preaching to the <laughs> choir. When I saw the Masters of the Universe um, and DC crossover, I was like, why is this not a movie? Like, why the hell? Who wouldn't want to hear this story? Like, He Man versus Superman? I mean, it would be, I think it would be a big thing for the pop culture scene in general. And then they're already doing the comics. So, why not just even an animated movie would have been. Because DC animated movies have been like bonkers since inception. They've all been good. I've not seen one. Are amazing. Agreed. You know, that, that, was that is the one thing that DC gets right versus oh, yeah. Marvel. Every Marvel time. has the cinematic universe that they get correct. DC not so much. But DC with their animated films, well, they just more hits than misses. Oh, I will say. Even some of their comics that are slightly different, like Superman Red Sun, the right. animated version, holy shit, that right. twist ending. It was better. It was actually better than the graphic novel because I read the graphic novel and seen the movie. And yep. like play by play, it was like, this is what you wanted the graphic novel to be. You know, it was it was just set to, to animation, but it was amazing. And um, it was the twist. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! At the end, oh absolutely! Yeah, it was. Oh, it was so good! It was so good. Um, it was one of those uh, you haven't seen it, but we'll have to watch it. Like it, the way it ends, it's fucking amazing. And I, I oh. wonder why they don't release more of these animated films in the theaters. Because people aren't. Well, I don't know. people aren't going to see it. Like Killing Joke didn't do well, and Killing Joke. I saw that in the theater, and we watched it here because I bought it because I really liked it. I liked that story. But how much extra shit did they have to throw in there just to make it 
80 minutes long. They put in but half see, an but, hour but of here's the thing. Like, I I love Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, yeah. You oh, did. That was a good movie. The, right? I absolutely would have seen that in the theater. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's a bunch of these that I would see in the theater, but I think their issue is they're putting they they're very prolific when it comes to the animated stuff, and or they maybe had the do a, maybe do a twofer. Well, they had the DC streaming service, and they were trying to get people onto that. But the DC streaming service now is uh, nothing. Like there's nothing on it. It's on HBO Max, so all that DC stuff is on HBO Max. Right, but and I- maybe do a twofer. You know, maybe instead of trying to make these animated films long enough to be feature length, maybe give the audiences two films in one. Well, uh, yeah, they used to have this. Um, Colleen just said Killing Joke is a great story, but I didn't think it was the film. Oh, yeah, no, but I would, for Killing Joke, the, the, the book was way better than the animated film. But again, like you said, Patsy, they kind of added a whole bunch of stuff that they didn't need in the first place, and had they would have just told the story kind of how the book was written, it would have came out a lot better, but like adding the whole, you know, Batgirl with the with the goon and you know, her and Batman having this uh, side thing going, kind of just it threw it all over the place, and that's another thing with DC, they, they combine these storylines sometimes into one thing, kind of like Ashes was saying, but not I don't think in the way Ashes was saying, like instead of like giving them a feature length film where instead of you're making one movie make two, they take like four storylines and put it in one movie. <laughs> kind of and that's what happened with the Batman uh, Dawn of Justice. It's kind of like they just said, Well, let's just tell three of the 